tip today in association with Slattery's of Pecan, your main Peugeot dealer for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie Morning, welcome along to Tip Today. 1800-938-007. That's our free phone number. It won't cost you to make a call. Emma is looking after the programme today. Coming up on the show, reaction to budget 2024. We'll have some listeners' views on our Dear Phil letters from yesterday. We'll have more on the state of our roads and, indeed, poor driving right uh, around the county as well. The Conspiracy Files with Ali, very interesting one today for sure. And also gardening towards the end of the programme with Alton Nesbitt. And if you have a gardening query, we would urge you to log it with us as soon as you possibly can, please. A lovely prize for you as well. Uh, again, today it's a €100 Euro voucher for Mr. Mr. Menswear. They're having their clearance sale at Kilcorn Lodge Hotel. And that's kicking off uh, tomorrow, Thursday, running right through until Sunday. And they've all sorts of wonderful fashion items there for you. Blazers and jackets and uh, knitwear and uh, polo shirts and T-shirts and all of that. As I say, a €100 Euro voucher to give away. That's based on your interaction with us by text and WhatsApp, uh, whether you're joining in the conversations we're having or indeed if you want to bring up something brand new but put Mr. Mr. at the end of your contribution and we will pop you in the draw so for text and uh, WhatsApp it's 083 311 you can email tiptoday at tipfm.com now the government as you're well aware has announced budget 2024 and I'm glad to be joined by Paul Hosford who is political correspondent for the Irish Examiner good morning to you Paul morning Fran from a very very west Dublin I'm actually just here uh, outside in where Leo Riker is, is handing out leaflets explaining the budget to Dublin commuters so it's uh, all go in the budget in the last 24 hours. Very very good indeed. It seems that uh, you know the government set out with a something for everybody a package has, has it worked in that fashion do you think Paul? I think if you one of the most interesting things that we've seen from it this morning was an interaction that Leo Braggart just had with a with a Dublin commuter who said to him, "You didn't go far enough for for what they call the squeezed middle, that mm. that, that kind of middle income earner." And and a lot of the package was about trying to lure those people uh, back to the coalition, uh, you know, to kind of say to them, "Look, what we what we're going to do for you is based on the last couple of years, we're going to put it all together, and, and there'll probably be more next year." That average income, uh, average middle income earner, somebody who, who you know, I suppose has kids or, or you know, has a, a mortgage that might be a variable or, or, or tracker rate. There was all of these moves around that, and, and still you kind of feel like a lot of people kind of said, "Oh, look, it's nice, but is it enough? Mm-hmm. Uh, did it swing for the fences?" I think people were kind of hoping that with with all of this talk over the last couple of months of massive surpluses, that people. But the government might do something that felt ambitious, that felt big. And I put, I put that to Pascal Dunhill last night at his press conference, and I said to him, look, the, the, the knock on this budget is that it, it doesn't feel ambitious. Uh, 96.5 billion euro in spending, new measures all over the place, but it doesn't feel like any grand gestures are included. And he said, look, there's a, there's a balance that the government has to find between being ambitious mm. and being able to deliver on that ambition. And that's kind of where the, the government fell on it. But I think a lot of people feel very uh, indifferent towards it. It doesn't yes. feel like it's kind of budget that, you know, I, I know anecdotally from 
from my own WhatsApp groups, from my own friends, it doesn't feel like anyone really had their imagination captured by any of the, the moves. But at the same time, nobody's really angry. And I think if you get into your fourth uh, budget as a, as a three-party coalition and you you know, can get through a budget with no major controversies, you're probably pretty happy uh, because it puts you in a position next year to go and, and really deploy the war chest and, and try and win uh, win the election in, in March, 20, March 2025. Indeed. Um, Sinn Féin um, were critiquing the government, I suppose, uh, for not making housing the budget's number one priority. Is, is that fair critique, do you, do you think, Paul? Yeah, I think I think people were looking for a new, some kind of new measure, and and the thing is that a lot of the housing policy and a lot of the housing spend was set out in, in housing for all at the end of 2021, mm, and yeah. and its parameters are already kind of set. But I think people want to see a, a you know there's been talk uh, a number of times of revising up those targets, revising up those numbers. Dar O'Brien said yesterday that he's going he's going to bring uh, the the government's housing capital plan to to. Uh, to cabinet in a couple of weeks. That's going to take on a couple of things. Currently, the housing finance agency can can lend ten billion to to approved housing bodies. It's kind of coming up against that that figure at the minute. He, uh, he's going to look for cabinet approval to increase that amount, but it's also going to include five point one billion in in capital spend, which uh, uh, you know will will fund the the land development agencies going and get houses. So here's from Daryl O'Brien's point of view. I'm talking to him last night. He said, look, you know the plan is there. It didn't necessarily need the budget because it stands alone. The mm. money's ring fenced anyway. Uh, but I think people would have liked some kind of uh, statement of intent. Uh, same thing in health. You know, we're, we're talking yeah. about a financial overrun this year, but at the same time, the the the, the 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 budget for this year kind of stands still. But you're still getting about 22 billion with no new measures. Uh, and it's, and again, Stephen Donnelly's argument will be: we did a lot last year. You know, we're already kind of doing a lot as is, you know, at a certain point, you know, enough is enough that, uh, you know, 22 billion, that it kind of stops being about resources, that it, it, it kind of comes down to choices and, and, and management at that point. Yeah, and indeed transparency surrounding the spending, I suppose, as well, Paul. Yeah, and that's something that that, that people will, will look for this year. I think so. I think there'll be a, a kind of a more uh, close eye on, on how the health budget is spent um, and I think that that's probably more important than, than the bare numbers in health. I, th- I think that's probably what people want to get their, their heads around. That's what people want to understand about the health budget for, for 2024. Some people critical as well of that delay in implementing the uh, the budget me- measures on childcare as well. The delay until next September in fact where that's concerned. Yeah, this is this is one that uh, I suppose a lot of parents and uh, you know myself included would have felt uh, last year. The, the government announced a, a cut that a cut to childcare fees that that kind of, for some people would have amounted to twenty five percent. For a lot of people, kind of between fifteen and twenty percent. But the the intention was, and and the rhetoric at the time was, there will be another cut next year, and it will be twenty five percent. The intention was to half it and. And it looked up until kind of Monday night that it wasn't going to be a 25% cut, that it would be lower. But, you know, then we got word that it would be 25%, but the, that the measures actually won't kick in until next September. So if you're if you're somebody who has a child now, you're hard-pressed, fresh fees are probably, uh, probably contributing to that. You will get some help, but only if your child is still in fresh next September. Uh, a lot of people won't get the benefit of that. They'll have children who are ready to start school. So they'll kind of just have to struggle on. Roderick O'Gorman was, was very... Uh, 
Adam, you know, he he has delivered this. Uh, you know, it, it's an expansion of the of the national childcare subsidy. It's, a, it's an expansion of the entire uh, industry because of uh, an increase in core funding. But I think if you talk to parents today, that all they're thinking is, you know, it doesn't save me any money now. Yeah, it's interesting. What are you hearing, Paul, about what IFAC is uh, saying today? You know that the cost of living. Uh, increases that they will, in fact, play into the whole business of uh, issues with inflation and such. What, what are you hearing on that uh, today? That's, that's, well, that's one thing that the, the, I thought the government has kind of uh, not, not, not rejected, but kind of softly kind of played down this idea that one-off measures, because there are, some of them are untargeted, will feed into inflation. You know, speaking to people within the coalition today, they, they're, they're saying that Look, they're fairly confident that inflation will continue to rise, but that it won't rise at the same rate, and that it will kind of start to level off this year. And that the cost of living measures there, that you know, your your one-off payments for for people on on certain categories of social protection, your your energy credits, that they won't lead to to inflation, that they won't kind of fuel that inflationary cycle. It's going to be interesting. Those long-term funds as well, just finally, Paul, to put uh, windfall corporation taxes aside for future measures across, you know, pensions and health and uh, climate change and uh, all of that. What what did you make of those choices? I, I, I you know, personally, I, th- I think it was a really good idea. I think if you if you think back to the financial crash, a lot of people will, will, think, will remember the National Pension Reserve Fund and that got raided to, mm. to, to pay for, for bank bailouts and I think one of the things that, that we have really been lacking over the last couple of years is this kind of idea of a, a self-sustaining long-term fund. Because Michael McGrath said, "Look, this isn't a rainy day fund. This is mm. this is funding for things that we know we're going to have to pay for. The, the social insurance fund will be empty uh, at the current rate, but you know, in the next 20 to 25 years, you know, people are living longer. There'll be more pension, more people uh, to, to claim the old age pension with fewer workers." We have to plan for that in some way. So I think the, the long-term fund, it's not sexy. Um, and, mm. and Pascal Donahue accepted last night that the, the political sell of these things is not easy because, you know, every backbench PD or every minister wants to deploy all of the resources now. And I think, you know, a bit of prudence probably won't, you know, it, it's not, it won't make great headlines now, but it will probably stand within the future. Yes, and indeed will influence future governments as well, I suppose, Paul, and that's that's what's important, isn't it? Absolutely, but I, I think the, the, the principle of it should probably, you know, is one of those things that should probably be upheld across governments, that it's, you know, this isn't just, uh, you know, one government squirrelling money away for the next government to, to use, you know, on, on whatever it sees fit, you know. Yes, indeed. Uh, Paul, we appreciate your time this morning and thank you so much for coming on with us. Thank you and good morning to you, Paul. Bye-bye. Paul Hosford there, uh, political correspondent for the Irish Examiner and now the Mayor of Clonmel, Councillor Richard Malloy, represents Carers in South Tipperary with Family Carers Ireland and he joins me now. Good morning to you, Richie. Good morning to your friend. Uh, about this time every year, Richie, you and I speak about uh, the various budgets and just an overview in terms of carers and what's in there for carers, Richie. I, with, I mean, it's a kind of a budget. It's a strange budget, I suppose, in some ways. And, you know, as you're, as Paul just mentioned, there, there's kind of bits and pieces for everyone. But what I'm hearing from carers, say, on the ground is that they do resent all the time being lumped in with all the social welfare. Yes. Yeah. Payments, you know, in the sense that while you know we accept obviously the carers allowance will go up by twelve euros, but so will all the other payments. And one thing carers generally say is that they're the only 
social welfare recipients as such that is working you know, practically 24 hours 7 for the, for the carers allowance. Mm. We, would, we would kind of welcome, I mean, definitely the 400 euros, you know, that lump sum that they're going to pay there before Christmas will be a help for carers in the sense that, you know, with fuel costs and heating iron and that kind of thing. But I, the one positive I would say in it is probably that the means test that we're often talking about, they've increased the disregards quite substantially this time, which will mean that a lot more carers will be eligible for the carers' allowance that mm-hmm. would have been turned down in the past because of their partner's income. But the big thing now, today there'll be more announcements made, and it's really in the areas of respite that's very difficult. It's very difficult to get respite if you're caring for somebody at the moment. And you know the way you still have the position of home helps going in or care workers going in for 45 minutes, 30 minutes. Yes. two or three times a week. Yeah. You know, there's been no mention of anything like that. Now, today, they generally make the second lot of announcements from the Department of Health. But we'd be hoping to see something in that area that they'd be mm. going to increase home respite. So you're waiting other, for the detail, uh, Richie, on this. We're waiting for the detail. Yeah. Yeah. And the other thing, I know definitely people that are on in receipt of the half-rate care of the mm. would be pretty angry because they really only get an increase of six euros and even though they get half rate carers allowance, they're still full time carers. It's to do with that they're getting another yes. payment, you know, yeah. like a, a widow's pension or maybe an old age pension. And nothing, we were, you see, we were calling really that to meet the cost of living at present, the carers allowance should have been increased to three twenty five. Mm. You know, so it's a long way short of that. Like it'll be coming up just near the it's gone up twelve euros, so it'll be coming up near the I just look at the figure in front of me now. It will be going up from two thirty six to two forty eight. Right, so it's still way, way, January. way off what is required. It's way, yeah. and and of course, I suppose just to stress to this this morning, this twelve euros doesn't come into effect till the first of January. Yes, you know, so you have a long winter ahead. And, and also, the four hundred euro that you referred to there—that mm-hmm. that is a once-off payment. It's very important to point that out, Richie, isn't it? Absolutely, absolutely, because people might get the idea that's going to be a kind of a regular. And I mean, €400, while you'd welcome a once-off payment, but the fact is, like, I was watching something there the other night on RTE, and, you know, the cost of living has gone up so dramatically in the last two years or so, especially, like, with petrol and diesel. I mean, Mm -hmm. their everyday costs, heating oil and electricity prices. They are the things that affect carers, the most, because if you're caring for somebody at home all the time, you're going to have to have the heating on, you know, pretty much yes. throughout the day. So that 400 euros won't be long getting used up towards those bills. So there's a lot, there's a lot really needs to be done, I suppose, for carers. And even there was very little mention, I felt, of the word family care and the budget. Yes, yes, as you say, it was lumped in with, with uh, lots of other... Uh, lots of other things in there as well. Uh, you, you mentioned, of course, uh, you, you know, the increase in uh, excise to petrol and diesel. That, that's postponed. But, of course, we had the carbon tax kicking in overnight. So, Absolutely. Yeah. Straight away coming in at midnight, you know. And, I mean, when you have an income like the carers allowance of, of two of 236, I mean, that will eat into you straight away. And that's going to be something, you know, we're just even today, uh, as the Paul had mentioned already, is pretty miserable all over the country, mm-hmm. you know. So you're going to have, all, everyone will have to have the heating on from kind of here on out. And 
anyone transport. You know, in the rural areas, you have to have your own transport. You know, the public transport just doesn't doesn't cut it really. Yes, in ter- in terms of those caring for children uh, uh, specifically, Richie, what, what's in there? Yeah, now, now they did increase the domiciliary care allowance. Yes, by something like ten euros. I mean, it's not a huge amount. You know, it's a, it's a little bit. Yes. Like, domiciliary announced increased by 10 euros, so it'll be going from 330 to 340 that's, per that's, month. Which that's children under 16 with a disability, Richie, is it? Yeah. With a disability. Yeah. And, you know, I'd say, again, I've noticed in the last couple of months, it's very difficult to qualify for these um, domiciliary care announce yes. because often what happens is the, the departments take a more stringent view of the medical reports and you find that more and more people get turned down, that can be the hidden cuts. You know, you can be increasing it on one hand, but you can make it very difficult for people to get the DCA on this. It's very obvious, yes. you know, that the disability, like say, will take down syndrome, maybe. But, you know, lots of people now caring for children with ADHD, mm. Asperger's, they find it very difficult to qualify now for the DCA in the last... 12 months or so. So the, the, those are the kind of things that are kind of hidden in the background and definitely 330 to 340 won't do a lot I think for people that are caring for children in that scenario. Probably not indeed. On the, 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 the broader aspect of it, if I can ask you about that, Richie, education and fairness came out pretty well out of this, didn't it? You it, know? it did. I mean, I, would, I think even the thing of the free school books yeah. being introduced to secondary level, because I think that cost could be something like 300 and something euros. But it is, when you have children going to school, there's lots and lots of costs. Yeah. And mm. especially if they go to college. And, you know, I've appeared myself with one kid in college. Mm. You know, there's constant costs when yes. you're going to college. So it was good to see... The drop in the fee there of, what is it, 1,000 euros? 1,000 euros, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Which would be, yeah, because, I mean, the whole thing is you're always trying to encourage people to go on to third level. Mm. But the cost, you can't really consider it free education by a long shot, mm. you know, because between the registration charge and the cost of accommodation. We, we, we were talking in the office, though, about the anomaly, you know, where, where the free books are concerned. But, of course, a lot of parents in a lot of schools that were encouraged to get iPads for the kids to avoid <laughs> books. And, and now you have a situation <laughs> there, you know. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. That's true, too, because yeah. a, lot of, a lot of it is going that way towards the electronic. Yes. Right? So you could you could argue, if you were arguing against it, that maybe it's easy to give free books if, if, <laughs> if the majority are going down the road of the, the iPads. But it right. was a strange budget. Yeah. There's so many leaks in it, Fran. When budget day actually arrives, yes. it's almost anti-climax. Because, I, I know, could have ripped it figures, myself, largely. Yeah, I mean, right. All the figures are so well known the day before. I, I often admired the pundits last night to keep talking and talking and talking yes. because it's been trashed the data, I suppose, in of, the last of week. Of course, yeah. It's outside of family carers, but uh, I was interested where hospitality was concerned, and you'd have an interest in this uh, as the mayor of a big town, though. Hospitality, they're, they're, they're not all that happy restaurants and pubs uh, and hotels in, in particular, because, of course, they have the addition now of, of pay, paying more money where minimum wage is concerned, and uh, <laughs> the, VAT, the VAT as well, of course, didn't... Uh, uh, didn't, that, uh, that go didn't, back down, that yeah. didn't help at all because yeah. I mean, while I work, you know, from an employee's point of view, the minimum wage is important. Of course, that, yes. was they're looked after because you know a lot of the staff in that sector are are very uh, lowly paid. Yes, but at the same time, if you're in business, you know, if you have a coffee shop, 
or whatever, you're going to be under more pressure. And even, I suppose, enlarging on that in the climate area in particular, the, the water problems, you know, yeah. with issue yeah. here. And I find a lot of businesses are under pressure all the time with constant outages. And, you know, their costs are going up as you said, the VAT rate and so on. Mm. And we don't, I mean, we're hearing very little through the council of any big investment from Irish Water because the infrastructure in the, in the common area outside it is very, very poor and it's going to take a huge amount of money to correct that or otherwise you're going to constantly, I mean, there's not a week goes by, I'd say, in the common area that there's not an outage. And from a business point of view, it's a nightmare, really. You know, on a Saturday, if, if the water goes off yeah, for hairdressers and so on, straight away you're closing the doors, and you're, you're probably still obliged to pay your staff. And that, so that that's an area I'm hoping. I don't know whether there'll be an announcement today, but I'm pressing all the time through, I suppose, as a councillor and through our TDs, and that that there has to be a big investment by Irish Water in the Tamil area, because if that doesn't happen you know, we're going to be constantly getting these outages. But of course, I mean, we don't want to go off on a tangent, but it, it's how yeah. that investment will be used as well as important and, and the fact that they'd listen to people who, who have on-the-ground knowledge, Richie, you know. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you had, you know, I know we're going slightly off the budget, yeah. you know, but it's all, it's all, you see, I suppose when the government make a big announcement like yes, when the budget is set out for 2024, you know, all that kind of detail will be in their summer. What kind of money are they going to allocate to Irish water? Yes. And it's going to have to be substantial because, you know, you had a Eugene Dargan on there some time ago yeah. explaining it all, you know, from A to Z. But I find myself as a local councillor, you know, you're hearing we're fixing a pipe up the road. That puts pressure on a pipe further up mm, the road. Yeah. That breaks. And, you know, businesses and the general public don't really want to hear all that and that's no matter what monies we're getting through the budget, say the 12 euros increase and so on, that it, water will become a big issue. I, you know, like you take, what are the big issues? Say housing, you yeah. know, definitely a huge issue in the Tipperary area. Yeah. But water is coming a close second, I think. Because you have to have water, no matter what way you do it. Well, certainly that would be our experience in here anyway, that's uh, that's for sure. So in the meantime, Richie, you're waiting on more detail, I suppose. Well, wait we're hoping in the, when the department that there'll be some talks about rest, home respite in particular. Yes. Because, you know, carers on the whole are under pressure. And it makes such a difference if you can get someone in two or three hours a week to relieve the family carer in the home. And I think that's... It's kind of sound economic policy because if you can keep the carer looking after someone in the home, you're keeping them out of the nursing homes for a lot longer. But if the carer burns out, people end up in nursing homes a lot quicker. And then that's enormous cost. Of course, of course it is. You might be able to help me out, uh, if you would, before I let you go, Richie. Uh, she said, I'm a little bit confused as to carers receiving carers allowance that having a parent living with them and also have home help every day going in and other other families can't get home help. It's all very confusing, says May. Well, we'll say you can be in receipt of the carers allowance, but you're still entitled to, we'll call it home help. You know, that doesn't disqualify you from getting home help. It's difficult to get it, though. That's the yes. that's the position. Like, for someone in the morning, if you're in receipt of the carer's allowance and you're caring for a loved one at home and you find yourself getting under pressure, what I'd advise is you're contacting the, your own local public health nurse to see will they be able to give you some kind of a home care 
package, but that won't disqualify you from the carer's allowance. That'll be the important thing to say. There's plenty of people in receipt of the carer's allowance and also getting nice. home care packages. It's just that the home care packages due to staff shortages is the big one there, or if you're living in very rural areas, it's very difficult to get the staff. You might get approval for the home care package, but they may not have the staff. And does May's question to you, does that reflect a lot of what you hear, that people are confused? Oh, absolutely. You see, I mean, even when the whole thing of carers, you see, lots of people outside of, we call it, out in the main society think, oh, carers, are they professional carers in the HSE? You see, we're, I suppose it's important to always say, we're advocating for the family carer at the home. That's the person that's looking after the mum, the dad, or the child with disability, and they're certainly not overpaid by a long shot. You know, it's still working out at a euro an hour, I think, for a carer, and even with the 12 euros, that won't make yes. a huge amount of difference. The, the care worker is a different person. There would be professional staff coming from maybe private agencies or the, the HSC, you know, and they would be on the normal wages. All right. So, Richie, thanks so much for your time this morning. Thank you. Good morning to you. And good morning to you. Good morning to you now. Mayor of Clonmel there, uh, Richie Malloy, and of course also Family Carers Ireland. 1800-938-007. The text and WhatsApp is 83 311 Tip today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie. The Minister for Public Expenditure, Pascal Donoghue, has said that uh, Budget 2024 has provided for a total allocation of £22.5 billion for the public health system and uh, that includes 808 million of an increase in core funding to address demographic and service pressures according to uh, the Minister. I'm glad to be joined now by Dr Connor Reedy who is a member of uh, the Midwest Hospital Campaign and indeed Nina needs its A&E. Good morning to you Connor. Hello Fran, how are you? I'm very well indeed Connor but our conversation is uh, shadowed I suppose by that news this morning that University <laughs> Hospital Limerick overwhelmed. Uh, 249 people turned up at the emergency department yesterday. They're now asking patients in North Tip to stay away unless they have a life-threatening emergency. It's amazing isn't well, it? Well, you know the, the conversation on this day every year Fran is naturally always about the budget that yeah. was announced the day before and everybody you know, with their own sort of with our own sectional interests in whatever section of the the budget in which we uh, have a vested interest uh, is out discussing and uh, in some of our cases pontificating about mm. the budget. Mm. Um, but let me just point out to uh, people uh, across the Midwest that um, yesterday's budget was announced on the same day that. Uh, the management of University Hospital Limerick asked people to do their very, very best to stay away from the only emergency department that serves 425,000 people across two and a half counties. Um, That's sobering, it, Connor, it, isn't it? It, it really is. Yeah. It really is. So this, this, is, this is our reality. Mm. So they can fly their kites as they've done for weeks now 
um, they can make their big announcements and each each minister comes out uh, making their announcements as they did uh, yesterday afternoon once the budget speech comes out, you know, is released. Um, but the reality is that uh, the timing of this announcement, the timing of this budget, as I said, coincides with further warnings from UHL um, to stay away because of the emergency department is at surge capacity. That's our reality. We see and saw nothing there yesterday that's going to change any of that. Well, could, could I put could I put one sentence to you? And I'm looking for your reaction to this. The minister said the government remains committed to reducing waiting lists in hospitals and community services, and that the budget will fund a range of measures to reduce waiting times for inpatient care and to improve access to community diagnostics. Um, yeah, C- community, community, community. Yeah. I mean, for years and years, the now defunct uh, HSE. Winter plan would point to a oh, greater participation, uh, you know, from the community sector, albeit through uh, from from home help to uh, home care packages mm. to all of these measures. The answer, in other words, to the to the crises were in uh, the lay in the community, and that's just a fantasy. Okay, so the government remains committed. Is that line I think you you, you started mm, with? Yes, yeah, yeah I, I'm sure the government remains committed to an awful lot of things. Um, but what did Pascal Donoghue do yesterday? Uh, he highlighted this unprecedented level of health spending by the government over the past three and a half years. Um, and we spend more on health than we do on almost than most other countries. And it is pretty much the biggest part of our budget, yes. our annual budget. 22.2 um, billion, yeah. Yeah, and he pointed then to this 2,500 additional hospital beds and the recruitment of 22 mm. additional health service staff over this period. And um, <clears throat> what happens then, is, and he pointed to all that we have done. So, I mean, he might as well have been the Fianna Fáil minister because the, the typical Fianna Fáil thing, I remember hearing this in, from a lecturer in college years ago, was they'll tell you what they they have done, they'll tell you what they're going to do and they'll tell you what they are doing. Um, You know, so basically, Pascal spent a bit of time yesterday talking about what they have done Um, and then his department later later put out a tweet that they had to delete, which actually gave the impression that that those 2,500 additional beds and 22,000 extra staff were forthcoming. That, that, that's what the, 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 the department put out and they had to delete that because they gave the wrong impression. These are things that have been done. Where are the new beds? Mm. Um, we know, you see, for, for some of us in, in health campaigners, Fran, and in Nina Needs at A&E, um, we wouldn't be really saying, is there, an, is there a need for, we're not as concerned with new money in the budget as we are concerned about What's happening? The existing money. Mm. Where yes. is it going? That is an. And in fairness, I'm not sure if you heard Michael Lowry speak in, in the the Doyle yesterday, but he pointed out that in last year's budget, for example, that 225 million of additional money was made uh, available to address the waiting list. And you know, asking the obvious question, then what what is the impact of that spend? Where what what do we see from that? And and it was alluded to in the budget speeches as well. Transparency. Where is the money going? How is it being spend, spent? And what is the outcome of the spend? Well, I, I would say if we had 
uh, total uh, independent outside forensic accounting of the type that they spent uh, that they spent the summer calling an RTE to throw mm. up. Yeah. Um, I think we'd all probably, I suspect, have no knowledge of this. I've no uh, insight except for uh, that I think we would be very, very shocked by what we'd find about the management of money all across uh, the upper, from the upper echelons down. Do you mean waste, Connor? Do you mean waste? The waste. I I absolutely mean the waste. I'm not even, I'm not alluding or talking here about corruption or alleging anything like that. I'm talking about waste. waste. And now, um, so we have uh, a lot of spin, as we always have, and we know that uh, we have a lot of uh, framing things in, in, great language about how we have uh, the biggest health one of the biggest health budgets in Europe and we have uh, we have all these pressures from demographic to things that we can't control such as covid and uh, but but yet what michael lowry is essentially alluding to there and is correct is what of all of these things that they claim to be doing and that they have claimed to have done in the last three and a half years how has that affected the patient experience? But you're, it, it, it hasn't. It's still disastrous. It's, it's still a disaster. So therein lies the problem. So they can mm. throw money at this problem. But until they start managing it right, and I'm talking from the very top of Department of Health and HSE downward, mm. until they start managing their budgets correctly, I'm sure within current budgets, I'm, I'm sure of this, uh, that, that the U. HL emergency department crisis could be seriously alleviated with better HSE and Department of Health management, some creative and outside the box thinking. But we don't see that. We're not seeing that. There's too many sectional interest groups going on uh, who who won't, you know, cave on their little uh, part of the field, and they won't cave in terms of certain things that they're being asked to do. I'm not even talking about unions. We know consultants are all powerful in this. But that's why, so, Connor, we need a strong department, we need a strong minister, <coughs> and we need a government who's going to kick ass. With Like, do they think we're stupid when they talk about their plans to increase the health staff by over 22,000? Where are they going to get them? I mean, you know, uh, yeah. all our health professions are leaving the country. Well, look, it's a bit like... Uh, Norma Foley was straight for for education was straight off the bat last night and she, yeah she had the big money announcement yeah. on the free book scheme, um, but then she says oh over seven hundred new teaching posts over a thousand two hundred new SNA posts mm. right again fantasy figures yes where, where, where are, are we going to come get from yeah, I don't know now I don't know. A, an interesting thing that that the, the Department of Health were out doing last week and I think that this was very much uh, aimed more so at at Pascal Donoghue and Michael McGrath rather than the public. The Department of Health spent much of the last week highlighting all that they had delivered on Budget 2023 and all that they had achieved. So they were obviously, um, you know, and the, the, the tweets are there for all to see, and there was, there was a whole series of them pointing out X, X policy delivered, uh, Budget 2023 delivered, something else delivered. So they were obviously making their case in a very public way for what they have delivered. But what they haven't delivered, Fran, what they haven't delivered, and they do uh, take us for absolute fools, there's no question about it, what they haven't delivered is on the patient experience. What they haven't delivered is uh, to eliminate this continued
call from the management of UHL every few weeks, and it'll only increase over time now in the coming months. Uh, this, incre- this, this, this repeated call to stay away from the only depart- yes. emergency department across the Midwest. And who can make a decision on whether something is a life-threatening emergency? Do you, do you know? I mean, people are going to die, Connor, and that's not hyperbole, is it? People, people are dying, Fran, and that's the problem. And and the the, the statistic from experts all across the board now is that as a result of the trolley crisis in UHL one person a day is dying that it's, it's causing the life overall when you average it out of one person a day dying at the moment because uh, of that massive overcrowding crisis that is continued right. unsustained in UHL and, so, and just finally Connor, because I have to wrap up because we, we have another contributor to, to get in before yep. 10 but finally can I put it to you any glimmer of hope where, where, where hospitals are concerned from what you heard yesterday. I mean, they talk about the urgent need to invest in, in, in this and reform measures to progress the regionalisation of health uh, services, for example. Any, any glimmer of hope in, in, in any of that? No. no. I mean, I'm seeing absolutely nothing. In fact, um, Nina needs a say and and the Midwest Hospital campaign, and myself personally, um, I would feel less optimistic about uh, the state of our health services, despite the sticking plaster announcements of the year gone past, I would feel less optimistic now about the capacity and the willingness of government and HSE to bring about the change necessary to end those oh, crises. That's a big statement. Uh, that's than, a big than statement, I did yeah. Quite, you know, a year ago. I, I really, that's... I do feel that. I feel. Hope is diminishing, Fran, from what we're seeing from the HSE and the government and indeed opposition. Um, hope is diminishing mm-hmm. for us and the campaign it feels uh, that it's in a very, very dark and negative place at All the right. moment. Um, and uh, I, must, there I, is, I must leave it there, Connor. but yeah. thank, thank you so much for your contribution this no, morning, delighted Thank you. To thank you. Thank you. Look Take after care. yourself, Connor. Dr. Connor Reedy uh, speaking to us there. Back in just a moment. Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecone, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecone, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Now, Conor O'Brien is a finance professional and indeed a very regular contributor to the show and often a member of our, our Friday panel as well. Good morning to you, Conor. Morning, friend. I'm good to talk to you today. Just a bit of an overview, first of all, because I know that you'd like to home in on property and where the landlords are concerned. But just an overview, Connor, in terms of, you know, the the ongoing, I suppose, effects of what we heard yesterday. Sure. I suppose it's the continuation of what what we raised last week. It's uh, it was very much a budget aimed at with with an eye on the future elections. Um, <clears throat> there was some quite generous. Uh, kind of tweaking of, of a lot of different aspects to try and please everybody. Yes. Um, and this was this, this usual uh, risk of if you try to please everybody, you end up pleasing nobody. Um, but in, in fairness, I must say, I mean, across all the headings um, that was addressed yesterday but by, by both ministers, I mean, th- there was substantial uh, efforts at least to try and, and give everybody at least something in, towards either the cost of living or the, the cost of operating a business or the cost of running a home um, and, and indeed the, the, the industrial, the entrepreneurial and, and the agri-sectors as well too. So I think there was a little bit of everything in there for everybody 
um, and, and just, I suppose, a couple of nuances in there as well, too. One of the most controversial aspects, I suppose, was that temporary tax relief for landlords. What, what did you make of that, Connor? I think it's probably a couple of years too late, but I suppose it's, it's a small gesture. Because it's over. basically to keep landlords as landlords, I suppose, as opposed to selling up. Is that, is that what's there? Effectively, yes. Yeah. I mean, it, it locks them in for a four-year period. It, the total value of the relief is only about two thousand four hundred euro over the course of the four years. So it, it, it or about three thousand four hundred euro. But it's not it's not massive money in the scheme of things. Um, but it does allow for this for the clawback um, if there if the landlord does leave the market early. So it, hopefully we will see some impact on that. Unfortunately, it won't bring people back into the market. It will just probably just keep landlords who are currently there in the market. And as a finance professional, Connor, what are you making of what IFAC is saying? That they're questioning the whole rationale, indeed, uh, surrounding this uh, budget by providing the temporary measures and all of that to address the cost of living when headline inflation seems to be falling and the overall result of pumping money into an economy could be, in fact, that you'd, you'd uh, hit inflation and, and make it rise again. Uh, absolutely. So there's always the risk of you pour a little extra petrol on the fire and it, it may just go out of control. Um, I, I think it goes back to what we've mentioned. It, it, it's a, it's a, an eye on a future election and making sure that people are, are a little bit less unhappy than they currently are. Um, I, I don't see I suppose, the, the massive capital project spending announced that would be deemed to be kind of inflationary. Um, so it, it, it's, it's unlikely we would have a, this, a substantial uh, kind of inflation impact because of what's been announced. Most of this is really cost of living measures and putting a little bit of pennies back into people's pockets, um, the tweaks around the rate bands, the tweaks around the, the personal tax credits, um, some of the small changes on uh, on BIK and the dozen of small things. But I, by and large, I mean, we're not talking that thousands and thousands of euro have been put back into people's pockets. It's just not the case. Right. So even though they made that decision to abandon their own 5% spending rule, um, you, you don't think it's going to have a huge effect where inflation is concerned? I don't. I mean, the, the reality is that inflation is up so high already year on year. And I mean, even go, if you reference it back to, to, to pre-COVID levels, I mean, it, it, it's certainly uh, it, it's certainly been disproportionate in, in the last couple of couple of years. So I don't think that these measures announced today or yesterday are going to be anything that is particularly inflationary driven. Yes. I, I, I'm no economist, as you well know, Connor. but from a layman looking at this, would it not have mitigated the, uh, the, the possibility of driving up inflation if it was more attractive for people to save? Uh, I suppose the, the reality is that there are substantial savings already in Irish banks. People have a horde of savings in Irish banks and credit unions and mattresses mm. across the country. So, so the, there is a, there is an abundance of money already being saved. But there's so little interest, so so little interest on saving, if you know what I mean, just to make it attractive for people to save. Absolutely, yeah. and even the interest you do earn, then then uh, you're you're taxed on that as well too. With dirt, yes. so you, you you lose you you lose an, uh, each way. Um, so I, I agree, there is probably less of a focus on saving that that there should be. But uh, again, I think it comes back to the overall context of they need to be seen to be. Re- 
reacting to the cost of living crisis and what they can do in the in the immediate term to give themselves a little boost. So when they are standing on your doorsteps this time next year, um, they'll be able to point to this, this, and this as as, as their their efforts to address the issues. You're very cynical, Connor. Very, very cynical <laughs> indeed. What, what about the increase in the minimum wage? Uh, what What are your feelings around that? Um, tokenism, to be honest. You think I so? mean. It, it's not going to change anybody's um, really pocket at, at the end of each week, really, is it? Um, it's it, just is it a move towards the living wage, though? Is it is a sort of a gradual move towards that in some way? Absolutely. I mean, they seem to have been even clearer in that, in that attention. Um, I suppose the, the, they're trying to balance the, the, the trade-off here is where you've got the small businesses who are maybe employing two or three or four people yes. and to trying to balance the cost of that against their other the rising cost of, of all the inputs on the other side and faced with the they're unable to drive the prices up um, like some of the corporates or the multinationals are able to do. So it's just was just a balancing act. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's interesting. And uh, Richard Malloy made the point to us, of course, earlier on in the the program that the devil is in the detail, and we won't see the detail of an awful lot of these decisions uh, until the next uh, few days and indeed weeks, I, I suppose uh, as well. Um, just o- overall for for hospitality, they seem to be probably among the most unhappy. Uh, in terms of the VAT rate, and I suppose the effect of the the rise in the minimum wage will affect them pretty badly as well. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, the, the, that 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 whole sector have uh, they, they, they've had a tough yes. time. Energy, um, all of these things that are being hit. Energy, by lack of availability, um, so the, the tourism numbers are down slightly. Yeah. So it, it's going it's going to be a it's going to be a tough sector to to see how they actually get supported. I suppose what was welcome, though, was, was at least the, the recognition by government and revenue that the, the administration of the business support schemes has not been good and that they are looking to figure out how they can unlock some of, some of these, uh, these kind of deadlock positions where they are um, just because of the terms that were drafted in terms of the finance bill last year and how, how people weren't really able to get the benefit of it. They are looking to see how they can actually loosen that to make it more supportive to businesses in the spirit of what was intended rather than the letter of what was in the finance bill. Yeah, and, and you know, we're reading as well 250 million of a package available for the uh, SMEs uh, designed to help with the costs of doing business that we, we just spoke about there. But in the past, I mean, some of those packages have been notoriously complicated, Connor. To, to absolutely, access. yeah, <laughs> they would require you to hire somebody full time to try and administer so, yeah. claims. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, because some of and this money that, just wasn't drawn down because of that, wasn't it? Absolutely, yeah. it was. It was. It was the headline figure that was used as a as a, a COVID headline support to, to say we're going to give all this, but never actually been able to deliver it. And I think that's why there is this effort now to say actually we need to start delivering these things and we need to make it. Uh, kind of friendly to, to the local businessmen to be able to, to get those, these supports. Mm. And just finally, Connor, that Future Ireland uh, fund, again, with your experience as a finance uh, professional, is that was that worthy what they were doing? They were sort of future-proofing, I suppose, uh, monies uh, for what will inevitably come, come down the road to us, I suppose. Absolutely. I mean, it's, it's, it's basic prudence, um, the, the, the financial concept of prudence. I mean, you, you should always be, be ready for that, that rainy day event. Mm. Um, I, in terms of the quantum, I, I, I'm not so sure. Again, it, it's, it's fine to stand up uh, in 2023 and say we're going to commit all this money over the coming years. 
you don't know what the next, what the future is going to bring. So it's supposed to be kind of putting that sort of uh, noose around your neck yes. to to be able to honour those commitments in the future. It could be challenging. It'll be but interesting to see the legislation around that and, you know, how that will be written in because they, they'll need an out clause there if things go horribly wrong, I suppose, as well, you know. I, I don't think they'll even... They'll even um, put in the commitments into the finance bill, it will just be the creation of the fund and the transfer of the funds across from the NCMA mm. um, just just to actually get the fund operational. I think then there will be flex in terms of the, the annual contributions that are made depending how the, the corporate tax receipts go and all the other tax uh, swings uh, in and outs that are happening. All right. Connor. pleasure as always. Thanks for taking time out for us this morning. Thanks. No problem. Thanks. Good morning Thanks, to you, Connor. That's Connor O'Brien there. Connor is a finance professional and one of our regular contributors to the show. News and information is coming up. Tip today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie. You're very welcome back to Tip Today. 1800 938 007. The text and WhatsApp is 083 We have that €100 euro voucher to give away. It's based on your interaction with us by text and WhatsApp. It's for Mr. Mister. They're having a huge clearance sale at Kilcorn Lodge Hotel and that kicks off uh, tomorrow and runs for four days. And uh, all sorts of bargains, I'm assured, there blazers and jackets and coats and knitwear and polos and T-shirts and all of that kind of thing. And as I say, it's based on your interaction with us. And if you put Mr. Mister at the end of your contribution, we will pop you in the draw. All right, we continue with Budget 2024. Delighted to be joined in the studio now by Francis O'Hanlon of FOH Financial Limited. Good morning to you, Francis. Hi, Fran. And good to see you. Do you know, you made an interesting... A couple of comments to me uh, during news there, and it's important for us to keep this in mind. Maybe a little optimism. Maybe, maybe, yeah, maybe you look, should look at what's kind of good about the country. Is that? I'm the think? first to say, you know, whatever it is, like he or she, without sin, you know, cast the first stone. I, I know there's issues in this country, without a doubt. But if we look at it in the broader context of the world and what's happening in the world, mm. be it war, be it earthquake, be it famine, climate change issues, how it's impacting people. Let's even get into social welfare systems in other parts of the world. We're not a bad country Mm. and there's a lot of positives here. I am absolutely putting hand up to say we have a lot of issues that we need to sort for us, for us as a country to make us better. But I think we need to be somewhat positive, optimistic, very strong employment a stable government, mm. right, which is really important, stable public finances, again, dare I say it, a stable banking system. You know, all of those things were, were still very attractive from a point of view of investment for foreign uh, direct investment. And I mean, if I want to mention the negatives, we have a serious issue with housing. Mm. We're going to have to sort that. But there's no silver bullet for that because the people aren't there to build the houses. You've got the material issues and one thing and the other. So it's not as though throwing X billions at a budget all in one go is going to sort it. It's not. It's going to take time. Now, the pace at which they're doing it, I suppose, is another matter. But the I think also, you know, the issues of past... As in, you know, they pretty much stripped 
the county councils of the ability to build yes. local authority yes. housing. So there's maybe things that we need to look at Well, there's as a ideology there that maybe yeah. needs to be changed. I, I suppose, in fairness, the, the, the people who might have been critiquing the budget this morning, a lot would be around wastage, though. I mean, like if you take health, for example, it's, it's a huge health budget, but there should be transparency in how the monies are being spent. For Absolutely. Instance, you know. And I mean, that probably leads to the whole reform required of the health system. Yes. I don't know how they're going to do it, but it's something that needs to be looked at. And I suppose they are looking at on an ongoing basis, but there's a lot of resistance as well. You know, people resist change sometimes. Sometimes they don't realise that these changes are more important down the line for the greater good. But look, change yes. without a doubt. But I suppose just... To, to put this in context, I know there's been some um, criticism from the Fiscal Advisory Board, from the Central Bank. Yes, um, they're concerned the about ESRI. the effect on inflation. Inflation, yeah. so I suppose, and here, I'm not here to champion the government, yeah. but I suppose they were literally stuck in the middle. They could have done an awful lot less. Without a doubt, they could have done an awful lot more mm. because from what I'm looking at, there's no big hits here. There's no greatest hits. Mm. It was kind of like the worst secret of all time. Mm. Majority was, was, look, we, was we pretty yeah. much knew what was coming down the line. Yeah. But I still think we need to keep this. in. Yeah. And, and you know what? I can't help thinking about the people on disability benefits, the people that can't work, the people the carers, that are carers. Yeah, yeah. So, we, you know, we might just touch on maybe the different areas, but obviously I'm going to focus on the, the financial um, but may yes. I say the finance bill is coming down the track there's a lot of detail in that that's where all the finer detail comes to play. And, and that will be very interesting just a yeah. bit, really quick overview then before we get into mm. because I know that you want to talk to us about mortgages in yeah. particular because that, that was an interesting aspect mm. of the budget for sure. just overview Francis? Yeah look so I mean if I'm looking at social welfare you know there's a small increase in, in the weekly benefit you know will it keep pe- people up to inflation probably no. not but it's something i think the lump sums are helpful um in relation to fuel allowance and supports and one thing or the mm. other so i think that's a good thing i would also what i also liked was the fact that you know for uh, carers who work and i mean we've touched on this on on our monthly piece on numerous occasions people are how can i get this how can i get that mm. and why can't i get this like they basically increased the disregarded income from three fifty to four fifty um, a week for a single person, and from seven fifty to nine hundred for carers with a spouse or partner. So I think that's going to be helpful. I think all of a sudden you could see people either entitled to more or even indeed qualifying for the carers allowance. So I think that's important. One thing I would just point out, and this was maybe stuffed under the mashed potato to a certain extent. Um, You know, the state pension is going to remain at 66 for the moment, but they're increasing. We've always flagged this, Fran. They're increasing the PRSI. So this is the start of it and it's going to be phased in. It's going to be increased over a number of years because they have to do something. There's no such thing as a free lunch. They have to balance PRSI, which is paying the state pension. But interestingly, Heather Humphrey said yesterday that to coincide with this, um, that there will be a new pay-related benefit system will be introduced and she will announce further details of this in the um, social right. what, protection Right, what are you bill. reading into that, like, Francis? Uh, some jurisdictions, um, depending on the, uh, I suppose, the level of PRSI and tax that you paid over the years. So if you're a higher earner, right, if you're made, un- at the moment, if you're made unemployed, you're entitled to the same benefit as everybody else, okay? You're 
two, now 232 mm. per week. And obviously there's some add-ons onto that. I would read from that that possibly, and this is what happens in some other jurisdictions, that depending on what you earn and what you pay into the system, that if you're in need of unemployment benefit or benefits, it may be related to what you paid into the system rather than just a flat amount. Okay. Right. Now, this is just my interpretation. No, not, not, not related to your salary, but related to what you paid in. Yeah, that? possibly, because that obviously the higher the salary you have, the more you've paid yes. in. So if you're made unemployed and you're, out, um, you're say, you're out of work for three months, if you paid in based on 100,000 or 75,000 or a 50,000 salary, you're getting the same benefit as somebody who paid in for a 25,000 level. Okay. Please don't hold me to this, but that's what my, I'm reading. And I think that that these kind of things are sometimes missed that's that's important well, to that's, note uh, look out for the detail <clears throat> yeah. where, where where that is concerned the usc of course is is the other one that was much talked about and that yeah. drop of what is it 0.5 yeah 0.5 percent first time in five years so it's reduced you what, know what does it mean though it, it, basically know. the i suppose the other point here is that the entry threshold to the four percent use of four uh, percent rate of usc is also being raised to 25760 so that means a lot more people uh won't pay usc at four percent onto that level but bear in mind what's in the background to this is the increase in the the minimum wage right so they had to adjust that or else it would have been a nonsense. Um, You know, increase in 2K in the the band at which you enter into 40% tax. You know, that that's something to note as yeah. well. well. Well, for people who are on the edge of that, I suppose, it makes a yeah, huge, absolutely. huge difference. Can I also say one yeah. other thing that I haven't heard highlighted? The vacant home tax, and there's a lot of talk about that and yes. they're reviewing it again. They've now um, uh, said that they're going to, that's going to be five times the local property tax. So they've increased that considerably. Again, to disincentivize people who have vacant properties, they're doing nothing with them. These properties need to be in the system so that people can either, that they can be upgraded and avail of the grants, that people can live in them, or that they sell them on. Okay, will that that work? Will that work, do you think? I mean, again, it's the tightening of the screws, I suppose, suppose. Fran, on all of these things. Children, Francis, what about children? Yeah, look, for children, I suppose, again, um, there's the, the double payments of, child benefit which I think is great I'm delighted to see you know even the hot school meal programme being extended Um, the other thing I would say is the foster care rate Mm. will be increased by the end of 2024 now you'd say by the end of 24 but look they are committing to that and that would be one area that would have been neglected and one other small thing that I noticed, they're also going to look at the capital acquisitions tax thresholds to include foster children. Right. So they're going, that, that's important because there's lots of people that would like to bequeath or leave money to a foster child or foster children over the years. I think that's really helpful that they're going to um, include, they're going to revise the capital acquisition tax thresholds for inheritance and gift to include foster children. So that's something to look at. Very good indeed. Cost of living then in general, I suppose, as you alluded to it there, the minimum wage, uh, that increase there, 140 an hour? Yeah, look, and that's going to go up again. That's the reality. Is this moving towards that living Yeah, absolutely, I think so. And uh, and again, that's very important to the people, that the recipients, right? I suppose on the other side, of it, you're going to see a lot of businesses under pressure because let's put this in in context here. Um, You've got the increase of the living wage, or sorry, the the minimum wage, 
but there's other things coming down the track. Like so, you've pre- you've your business is under pressure yeah. in particular I'm thinking of certain areas yeah. like hospitality or certain services so all of a sudden this has increased that's going to put a lot more pressure on them I know there's in the background there's these grants and the 250 million mm. uh, package for, for business SMEs, yeah. but again that people can unlock that and I know there's talks about businesses being able to unlock it but also for, for employers you're looking at the auto enrollment coming down the line next year for, where for pensions a pension. Are concerned. So yeah. I yeah. think we need to be mindful um, of all of those things because it's important we have strong employment, right? We're pretty much at full employment. Mm. Um, but again, it's important to, to recognise how these things will impact businesses because at the end of the day, it's the small businesses that are keeping a lot of this country going. Of course. Uh, the, the VAT on electricity and gas and uh, the like as well, uh, extending that 9%, useful? Yeah, look, again, all of these, uh, again, without using somebody else's uh, tagline, every little helps, doesn't it? It it certainly does. Okay, yeah. Um, Interesting about the the petrol and uh, the excise, they're not going to claim back that next Mm. month. But, of course, carbon tax went up uh, Absolutely, and I'm I'm just thinking, you know, a lot of this is going to happen on the 1st of April next year as well. Um, Unfortunately, I didn't have time as I was leaving last night to fill my car. But, um, you know, that's the reality, and this is the green agenda okay mm. this is the commitment that they've made this is what they're committing to i know other jurisdictions have rolled back on that yes. to a certain extent but they're pushing on yes. because this is what they're of course they're targeting. i heard uh, matty mcgrath uh, attacking <coughs> eamon ryan on that in the doyle uh, yesterday yeah well. look the- home oil heating oil yeah. you know this yeah. this a bag of coal smokeless coal a you know, whatever, all of these things feed in. Yes. And these are all extras and, that and people are going to pay. And the energy credits there, mm-hmm. what is this, 150 euro, I think, a time, is it? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. So I think we're looking at th- 300 Three yeah. Um, yeah. this year and then another 150. Again, yeah. they're very helpful because they're kind of a lump sum and they impact. Yes. Okay, I would, I would think they're a good thing for citizens to receive in that format. Let's get to uh, housing then, mm. and particularly, I suppose, to mortgage interest uh, tax relief. What, yeah. what, what, what's there, Francis? So, you know, this was an interesting one. Um, so it's basically a one-year mortgage interest tax relief, okay, for homeowners with an outstanding mortgage balance between eighty and 500000 okay? Um, so relief will be available. Now, this is really important on the increased interest paid on the mortgage in the calendar year 2023 compared, underlined, to what they paid in 2022, okay? And this relief is only at the standard rate of tax of 20%. And the the relief will be capped at €1,250. So that's the maximum you can get. But it will be pro rata. Like if you have a 100000 mortgage and if it's a thing that you were paying... Let's pick a tracker rate because this is the reality. People yes. that stayed on the surfboard and kept with their tracker, which served them very, very well back in the day, let's say they still owe 100,000 and let's say that they were ECB, which is the European Central Bank rate, plus a half percent up to the middle of last year. Now all of a sudden they're maybe at 5%. Okay. So the difference in the interest that they paid in 2022 versus the interest that they pay in 2023 
provided they are above 80,000 and below 500,000 of their mortgage, they can claim tax relief at 20% on that difference, subject to a maximum of 1250. So that's your tracker and your variable people. Let's now go to somebody who fixed at the end of December 2021. Whoops. For three years. Right. Okay. So they're due to come out of their fixed rate at the end of 2024. So they've paid the same interest in, well, relatively, you know, there's no hikes. So let's say they paid the same interest relatively because they're at the same rate as they were in 21, in 22 and 23. So they're not entitled to claim because there's no difference in the rate. There's no big rate hike okay. in, in what they've paid because they're fixed. Okay. Where their difficulty occurs is when they're coming out in December of 2024. And again, Fran, we have said this on numerous occasions. You know, I was telling people, be careful about giving up your tracker. The sun will shine again because rates will come down again. And probably towards the end of next year, depending on a lot of variables, but let's say they will. But an awful lot of people panicked and fixed at the right, wrong time in that rates had already gone up substantially and all of a sudden they were fixing in and maybe for shorter term. So a lot of those, <coughs> excuse me, a lot of those people, this won't apply to them. Really, it's the tracker and the variable rate people that will be able to. Now, you know, yeah. I heard commentary, how effective is this? Um, you know, sometimes you would hope that a lot of people that were maybe a tracker or a variable did so by choice and understanding of, of the system. Now, I do take it that there's a lot of people that yes. are just but, but I in track or a variable. But was there not an element of panic to it as well, I suppose, in some way? Yeah, ways, where you people know. were, were well, panic yeah. to do nothing yeah. and stay track or a variable, <laughs> yes, or panic to do something and fix at a higher rate, maybe into a rate that doesn't necessarily suit them. But again, there there's, I suppose, caveats with that. All right, okay? so watch out for that. Help to buy scheme then, mm. that's that's extended to the end of 2021. Yeah. But of course, there's always been critique about that. In fact, it was making things worse in terms of house prices. Yeah, like. maybe, maybe it is. Yeah. You know, I mean, but the bottom line is 40,000 people, based on what they the government have said yesterday, were assisted in buying their home under this scheme. So, yes. you know, th again is by virtue of the fact that it's there and that it's assisting people, is that in itself adding right. on pressure, driving yes, up the price? because you have a limited but, amount of houses. But there's a yes. certain element here of damned if you do and damned of if course, you don't, yes. right? But uh, this is actually important that this has now been expanded, and again, this may have been missed yesterday, to the local authority scheme where people that, that's directed at new homes for usually first-time buyers or fresh-start people, mm. i.e. they were divorced or insolvency arrangement or whatever it be, they can now be included in the help-to-buy scheme where before they were excluded. So that expanding, which is important, so that if somebody is buying through the local, the, the, the LAAP scheme through the local authority, where the local authority is taking a percentage of equity in their house, um, they can actually avail of this scheme. The, that individual are not is not excluded now okay. from joining this scheme. I think that's very that's, positive. That's a good thing indeed. Yeah, uh, the rent tax credit, uh, the increase in in that was it? it's gone up to seven fifty. Seven fifty. Yeah. 
you know, woohoo, as, as somebody somebody in college. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah, woohoo is right. I mean, yeah. it's really. It's know. not, but you yeah. know what? It's better than nothing. I um, I, I, it's yeah. better than what I had yesterday, or a majority of us had yesterday. So I think that's positive. Now, in the context of somebody, here's me saying, okay, I'm thinking of it from a student college <laughs> point of view. But there's people that are renting, and that's, you know, it's something, it helps. Yes. You know, if you have a couple. Um, it they've they've all of a sudden an entitlement to seven fifty each if they're renting. So I think that's helpful. Yes. But I think for the accommodation, back to the woohoos, back to the the parents who have children that are in a room or in digs, they can actually claim back. And I think you know they can now go back to twenty two and twenty three to claim this relief. Can I just say that's the one observation I would make. You know the way we always say in January, clear the decks, get all the finances out, look at what you're paying. I would say people need to look at what they're entitled to because I think an awful lot of people are not getting what they're entitled to from a tax point of view and are not claiming possibly what they're entitled to from a social welfare point of view. So I think this budget is a good chance for people to say, actually, am I entitled now? Can I revisit the carer's allowance? Oh, actually, am I, I entitled to more for this, oh, hold on a minute, I have a child that's in digs. In, yes. You know, all of a sudden there could be things and money. Of course, and it could all add up to yeah, something Yeah, because I think sometimes people well. end up excluded from what they're yes. entitled to. Um, one of the most, I put this to Conor O'Brien mm. earlier on as well, Francis, one of the most controversial aspects of it has to be that uh, temporary tax relief for landlords as well. Now, whenever yeah. there's a mention of landlords getting anything, particularly <laughs> people are up, jumping up and down, I think it's got something to do with our history. Yeah, it has, and I think it's the word landlord. Landlords. But let me tell you, I have people that have are accidental landlords, and yes. the majority of them are accidental landlords. They bought a two-bed apartment or a three-bed semi in the back to the woohoo days of, you know, 2006, 7, 8, They've been stuck with it, yes. and that's the only word. And this that was I going to be use. their pension. Absolutely. Oh, no, it, went, it was probably their home. It might be like somebody that bought a two-bed apartment. All of a sudden, they've outgrown it because they now have three children. Right. Yes. And um, they can't. They couldn't get rid of it. Possibly um, up to that point, they were waiting for break-even because we are still below what prices were in certain areas back in the heyday well, that's... of the financial crash. So people need to remember that. Yeah. So. Okay, they're going to get twenty percent tax relief. But that's not going to keep them in. No, and I mean, can if they I want to get out, they're going to get out. Can I just England. add? And I heard this through the chatter on the other day that Darrell O'Brien didn't want to put a four-year limit. There's a four-year limit. You must continue to rent out your property for four years yes. to avail of this. And by the way, anyone that's a landlord should be registered with the Tenancy Registration Board, and you're not entitled to claim this unless you are. Okay, so that's that's very important. Absolutely. To, to, so, to point like, out. what what is it from a point of view, like in the year? And I'm again, every little helps. Back yes. to that again. Why shouldn't a landlord okay. be helped if they're the you know if they're genuinely trying to I don't know whether I'm going to sell it or not? And I mean, all of a sudden, if they decide, oh yeah, great, I'm out the gap, right? I'm selling. I'm just about a break even. I even see people that take a slight loss just to get out because they're supplementing it every week. And all of a sudden, then there's a family that has been in a house possibly for five or six years. I have a, an accidental landlord in front of me saying, oh, I feel really bad because they're such good tenants. But they, it's about, yes. it's kind of survival. 
Just just about out of time, and there's still so so much. But just a couple mm. of small things. Where the SMEs are concerned, and the packages that might be available to, to what is it, 250 million? Yeah. The complexity of drawing those down has yeah, been. Yeah, and I think that's one thing that uh, was recognised. Are, are they addressing that? Yeah, they way? are. Okay. And from what I understand, um, they are going to make make this more accessible for SMEs and for people to understand and even in relation to the tax system that yes. there's a lot of things there or grants or whatever it be they're going to look at that to make it more accessible and I suppose yeah. simple English or Irish whatever way you want to look at it um, that people of can course. understand it more and clearly And just finally uh, su- surprises in there for you was uh, There was no surprises for me was there no, any surprises no, no, for you no, Fran? No, no, no surprises No there wasn't Except maybe I was expecting 50 cent on the packet of cigarettes it went up to 75 yeah, cents Yeah and I suppose that's the reality of yeah, it it's, it's um, And they because there's you know again yeah. That's it's an easy target for them, and they're look. The reality is the knock-on health issues and what it costs the state mm. from a point of view back to the health but, service. But, but the money from that back into the coffers of the state. Yeah, is I mean, too, yes. I, I yeah. would say no surprises. Worst kept secret. Please keep an eye on the finance bill. Yes. There was no changes in relation to pensions, right? But that's coming right in the finance bill and also there's supposed to be um, a new pension act next year so there's a few things we're waiting on Um, you know it seems that from maybe January 24 they're looking at people that can pay PRSI to the age of 70 and possibly for a um, a higher state pension because some people are working longer. Yeah, of course. Um, But they only pay contributions up to 65 now. So there may be, that's going to be looked at. Um, So I would say pensions, we'll be waiting for the finance bill to see what happens on that. Exit tax on investments. Oh, yes. They're looking at that and he mentioned that yesterday. He's looking at funds and he's going to look at the exit tax, because at the moment that's at 41%. So if you have a client that took 20,000 of money that they had on deposit and they wanted to get a better return and they put it because they said, well, interest rates are zero in the bank and they put it into an investment and if that's grown by 5,000 euros for them, they're taxed at 41%. Wow. on the profit. So when you say he's going to look at it favourably? Yeah, well, we hope so, because hope so. our industry has been banging this drum yeah. for a long time saying that it's not fair. All right. Uh, if people need financial advice, Francis, and uh, they want to talk to you, how can they do that? It's no problem. They can uh, contact the office at 52 They can email me at foh at foh.ie or go onto our website www.foh.ie All right, and uh, thank you so much for all the research there for us, Francis. It's great to see you today. Thanks very much indeed. We'll take a break. Back in a moment. Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecan, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecan, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie the Conspiracy Files on Tip Today. Well, lots of conspiracies surrounding the budget, I suppose, but uh, Ali, you're not going to talk to us about budget. Uh, last time round, we spoke about the Mandela effect. Uh, this week, it's the Beatles. It's the Beatles. Are you aware of this conspiracy around Paul McCartney? Not until you told me about it, no. Well, the conspiracy around the Beatles is that Paul McCartney was actually killed in a car crash at the height of Beatles fame in 1966. And instead of jeopardising the success of the band, a decision was made to replace him. And he was replaced 
according to theory, by a, a gentleman called Billy Campbell, who had just won a Paul McCartney lookalike contest. So this man was kind of drafted into the Beatles to replace Paul, and Paul's death was kind of hidden and kept secret for many years. But fans reckon that the Beatles tried to give people clues, particularly fans clues, through various means, through albums and through songs over the years to let them know that Paul had indeed died and they were forced to do this. The story is that John Lennon wasn't happy but went along with it anyway, you know, just to, to save the band and the success, future success of the band. But that these clues and these little Easter eggs, we call them now, have been left in everything from album covers to songs and even interviews. So let's just delve through it anyway, first of all. This crash anyway apparently happened on November 9th. Now this is a documented crash. Paul McCartney... Whichever happen. one you believe is okay. the real one was involved in a terrible crash, sustained terrible injuries. And if you look at pictures of the crash afterwards, you would wonder how anyone survived. It was a brutal, brutal crash and he was seriously injured. But then there is the side that believed that he was actually killed in that crash. So if we look first of all at the album covers and I even printed you off some pictures yeah. today. Yeah. But if we look first at many fans say that the Sgt. Pepper's uh, album cover is one of the most obvious ones, because if you look at Paul McCartney on the cover, there is a hand over his head. You see the, the open palm just yes, above his head. Yes. And that is a sign of death in many cultures. The open palm. I've, also, I've seen that album cover a million times and I, I've never noticed that. He never spotted the Isn't hand. Incredible? Also, notice the fact that they're in front of a grave. That wow. is an open grave. And also wow. one of the floral tributes there is a left-handed guitar, which Paul McCartney played a left-handed guitar. So they say that this was one of the clues. Now, move on to another I can't album. get over it. I never noticed that before. There yeah. you go. Wow. Okay. And also there's another interesting one on the Sgt. Peppers. If you put it, it on the front of the cover, there's um, the drum, we'll say the bass drum, and yes. it says Sgt. Peppers, Lonnie Hearts Club Band. If you put that in front of a mirror, now this is going way out there and you cover the bottom half of it, it will give you the date of 11-9-1966, which is the date that many fans claim Paul McCartney was killed. Ah, uh, stop. Yeah. Wow. Now, if you move on to the Yellow Submarine album cover, yes, which is a very colourful one, again, what do you see above Paul McCartney's head? A hand. A hand. An open, well, not an open hand, a peace sign. John Lennon making a peace sign. And you will see that, particularly in the Yellow Submarine, if you go into the album sleeve, every picture of Paul McCartney in that album sleeve, there is a hand over his head. So a lot and, of And fans, again, you're, you're making the point, that's a sign of death. It's a sign of death in many cultures. Right. Now, what many fans, though, would always use as proof to say that Paul McCartney is dead is the Abbey Road album cover. And this is the most famous one and definitely the most interesting. Yes. And I'm sure everyone is familiar with that iconic image of the four of them walking across the walkway on Abbey Road. Mm. But if you look closely at how they are dressed in that album cover, you'll see John Lennon dressed all in white. Mm -hmm. Some will say representing a minister or some will say Jesus. You've Ringo then afterwards in a black suit, which is said to represent the pallbearer. Then you've Paul right behind him in black clothes, also barefoot. And in many cultures, dead people are buried without shoes. And this is an important point because it will... Um, 
I'll be showing you a song later with lyrics in it that refers to this, him having no shoes. And then you've George Harrison, then behind Paul, all in denim, which is said to represent the gravedigger. Also, what's interesting about that album cover is Paul is the only one out of step. They are all in the same step except Paul. And again, I've seen this a million times and I never never noticed that. What's also interesting, look at that white beetle in the background just behind George Harrison. Yes. Now, you might be able to see it, but on the licence plate, it says uh, LWM 28IF. Yes. So what fans say is that says 28IF. So Paul McCartney would have been 28 if he was still alive on that album cover. <laughs> and is that true? D- does that add up? It does add up. Wow. So many people say that that's a, a number of clues that were given on the album yeah. covers. But I suppose the, the biggest Easter eggs you can get are from the songs themselves. Mm. They are freaky now. Let me just give you a little warning before we play them. And I'm going to play you a few of the the more famous clips. And of course, this is all to do with, uh, it's called backmasking. And I'll I'll talk about that as well later. But it's Mm. where there are messages embedded in songs if you play them backwards. And the Beatles were very famous for this and kind of started this whole thing. But Zeppelin as well were very famous for it back in the day. So what I've done with these, I have about six examples of... What many say the Beatles are trying to tell us that Paul is dead. What I've done is I've taken a little snippet of the song um, and when you first hear it, it will play as it does normally and then there'll be a little gap and you'll hear it either twice or three times backwards and let me know what you think. Here's the first one. It's from, it's the song I'm So Tired from the White Album. What do you hear? Paul, Paul is a dead man? Paul is dead man. Miss him, miss him, miss him. Wow. <laughs> so the second song then that we have, it's a song called Revolution 9 and it's from the Beatles' self-titled album. Uh, play this one. Let me know what you hear in this one. Number 9, number 9, number 9, number 9... Turn me on, dead dead man. That's it. Turn me on, dead man. So again, referencing McCartney. McCartney being dead. The next song. I'm then, not well after this. I know, know it's freaky, isn't it? Yeah. The next one is from the same album. It's the Beatles' self-titled album in 1968, and it's the song "Glass Onion." Let's hear what you hear in this one. That's the wrong one. That's the wrong one. It's glass onion you're looking for. Glass onion, okay. Let me see if I can find it. No, I don't think it's there. You don't have it? No. Ah, damn it. We'll go to Let It Be, so let's hear what you hear. Tell us about Let let It Be then. Okay. Yeah, play Let It Be. Okay, let's have a listen. Is it that he he's dead? He's dead. He's dead. He's dead. The next one then, uh, this is the freakiest one for me. I don't like this one. This is the birthday song and it's from the White Album. I would like you to dance. 
Paula's dead? Paula's dead. Sing Hallelujah. Wow. The other one then, it's a song called It's Johnny's Birthday. Um, and this is the one that's kind of pertaining to the Abbey Road album cover. So listen to this one. Only on the third one, I got it. He's, he's not wearing his shoes. He never wore his never shoes. Wore his we shoes. all know he was dead. It's it's incredible. Now, is it a case that the the, the Beatles, particularly Le- Lennon, was such a clever boots? Were were they sort of cutting us or possibly? And I mean, there is an example of the Beatles doing this in previous songs. I mean, before this whole story of of Paul McCartney dying, that a song called Rain, and John Lennon was a big fan of this kind of. Uh, it's called backmasking, and they did it. For real in a song called Rain and there is an example of that. It's the next clip you have. Right, so that was deliberate in that Deliberate, that was, yeah, absolutely was, yeah. deliberate. He just was singing random words and when he played it backwards, he just loved the sound of it. And this kind of predated these hidden messages about Paul that were in the albums. Um, the other one that, that um, I probably didn't put up was from The Glass Onion and it was Paul Took the Wrong Road, which was a reference to the crash itself. Now... When we talk about backmasking, even though the Beatles kind of made it famous, it did cause a huge stir in music because mm. what it did was it encouraged fans to buy the albums and play them backwards to try and find those hidden messages. And it became very popular and artists weren't overly vocal about it because they wanted people to find them for themselves so they could be kind of Easter eggs. But I do have a small example of backmasking and there are a number of artists in this. Now, all of this audio, it's all recorded backwards. So just in case you're wondering, and there's somebody explaining a, Led, a couple of Led Zeppelin songs and what they found in those. So listen to this. Backwards it says, here's to my sweet Satan. Did you hear that? Listen carefully, it says, I want to live it backwards like the Zep, whose power is Satan. Did you hear that? Did you hear that? It's very interesting, isn't, isn't it? it? Yeah, yeah. And it all goes, if you go into it then in terms of reverse speech, because that's what backmasking mm. technically is, Somebody who made this kind of field of study very interesting is a man called David Oates. Now, he had a very active career spanning over three decades and and really pushed this idea of reverse speech. He developed new theories on it and designed therapeutic and training techniques. He published several books on reverse speech called uh, Beyond Backward Masking, Voices from the Unconscious, and It's Only a Metaphor, also numerous tapes and training manuals. And and what's the point there, Ellie, is is that subliminally in some way these hidden voices are could affect you yes could, could, 
David Oates believes that we have two modes of speech. We've one that's spoken with the conscious mind that's forward spoken and one that's spoken with the subconscious mind and that goes backwards. Wow. So what he is theorising is that we can discover the truth to any conspiracy theory by using backward speech. And he, like, this is a whole other episode as well because he has snippets of audio from Buzz Aldrin talking about the moon landing and how it's fake, about Kennedy's assassination and who was involved in it. Uh, interviews that are snippets of audio he took from Lee Harvey Oswald showing that he didn't actually kill Kennedy. Even the John Bonnet Ramsey case, he claims he solved that from um, backwards speech. Now, he's interesting, and we could do a whole thing on this, mm. but, you know, he's not alone in this because the CIA were actively investigating this for many, many years. I think spent much of the 60s and 70s uh, investigating backwards speech. And David Oates actually was also... Well, he claims he was targeted by the CIA, that his, his business premises, his home, were routinely uh, vandalised and burglarised to get rid of any evidence that he had. So there is, you know, even though people might dismiss it as, you know, it's just noise and you're trying to find yes. sense within the noise and that's what you're doing, that it doesn't... You, you remind me of something similar in that uh, bass players for years, they drove themselves nuts trying to learn the bass solo on Graceland. Why the, so? the pause, because it's so difficult and so out there. And then, of course, everybody discovered after a while the bass solo was actually reversed. And that's why it, it was just, it wasn't under your fingers to play properly because it was in reverse. And that's why it sounds so, wow. so amazing. So there you go. There's another piece of useless information. So back to McCartney then. Yeah, because, I mean, you know, the Beatles never really addressed it. And a lot of people will say, well, why not? When it was such an easy thing to say, look, Paul McCartney isn't dead. Of course he's here. But, you know, the rumours were huge at the time in 66. They quietened then a little bit because Paul, of course, was everywhere. So you can't say Paul McCartney is dead when you see him everywhere. But they resurfaced again in 69 when, remember, McCartney went through this phase where yes. he shunned everything and he kind of went into the... To he, India. He, to yeah, he did. And all of that, yeah. But um, yeah. I suppose the Beatles then in terms of intentionally putting backward lyrics and songs, they never admitted to that either. And there's one, actually there's two big reasons for that. One is that there was a huge increase in album sales as a result of it because people were buying albums to look for the hidden messages. They reckon about 42% of an increase when this whole theory came out. People so, just searching for this. Searching for yeah. messages. So why are you going to kill the golden <laughs> goose if people are going to buy records? Right. But interestingly and more dark is the fact that a lot of people would blame the Beatles' backwards messages for the Manson family murders. Now, Charles Manson was making headlines at the time for the murders his group committed. Mm -hmm. He blamed Helter Skelter and said that he could hear hidden messages in the song Helter Skelter, which inspired him to start a race war. So essentially, wow. if that's true, the Beatles are in some part responsible for the deaths of nine people who are the the, the people targeted by the Manson family. So you have the Sharon Tate mm. murders, the LaBianca murders. Um, so, of course, they're not going to come out and say, well, yes, actually, we did put in these hidden messages, but we didn't think they'd have the effect that they have. Um whether or not this is still a rumour that continues to this day, it is. Mm. And it's been dissected even as lately as 2010. There was a documentary called Paul McCartney Really Is Dead, The Testament of George Harrison. Also in 2020, there was a comic book released called Paul Is Dead. And that chronicled the story from the beginning on the basis that McCarthy was killed in that car crash. I've looked everywhere for interviews with the Beatles on this. They have never, ever addressed it directly. 
And have they ever been questioned about it? Not directly. Wow. Which is also very strange. Isn't it just? Yeah. yeah. It's very strange. And what a lot of people will point to as well is the interview that Paul McCartney gave just after John Lennon's um, assassination, which was a very strange interview. I don't know if you saw it. I didn't see it. He basically just said, yeah, it's a bummer. Yeah, it's a bummer. And that was kind of it. And it was a very strange interview. And a lot of people would say, well, if Paul McCartney and John Lennon were really as close as they were, he wouldn't have that reaction. So this is another piece of evidence to show that that's not the real Paul McCartney. But if you want to go down that rabbit hole, there is a lot of video footage and there is a lot of interviews, but never with the Beatles addressing it directly. Isn't it incredible? Uh, Really fascinating, as always, Ali. Thanks very much indeed uh, for that. That's Ali with our Conspiracy Files uh, news and information is coming up. Tip today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie. Welcome back. And uh, Patrick says, I bet that's blown your mind, Fran. It's very uncanny. And well done to Ali uh, for a great slot. Yeah, it's our uh, conspiracy files. And people are fascinated by them for sure. Thanks for that, Patrick. Laura was on to us as well, saying, well done to Ali. I always enjoy this slot and I find it very, very interesting indeed. Now, one of our listeners wondering about that extra payment for child benefit, uh, for child payment, I beg your pardon, looking for some info on that. Seeing a double payment of child uh, benefit worth an additional €140 for each child will be made to all qualifying households before Christmas, I'm told. And in addition to that, don't forget, there's been an extension to the child benefit payments to 18 years old. Uh, Now that's where young people are in full-time education where that is uh, concerned. All right then, let us move on because we received a letter in our dear Phil slot yesterday from a lady who has found herself less attracted to her partner because he has got braces. And uh, we posted a letter to social media. Uh, huge reaction to it indeed. And Joanne joins me now. Joanne, good morning to you. Good morning, friend. Good to talk to you today. Your man, he always was sort of conscious about his teeth. He uh, decided to go to the dentist. Part of the work that he's getting done involves him wearing uh, braces. But as you know, um, his partner um, decided she wasn't attracted to him uh, anymore, even though she adores him. What did you make of it, Joanne? Um, I thought it was a difficult one, Fran, because it's not very clear-cut. I think um, attraction is obviously very important in a relationship, but certainly at the start of a relationship because it's what, you know, initially happens that you're attracted to draws people together, of course, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, but I think over time then that the attraction changes, so it's not so much physical anymore. I think it's more about the person, Mm -hmm. you know, what they're like as personality, how they care for you or how they are with other people. All of that, I, I think the physical side of it tends to fade over time because that's not going to last forever anyway. Mm. So I do find it very, I, I think it's unusual. They're in a relationship of five years, am I right? Yes, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I just find this odd, I think, that uh, after five years, she's still solely focusing on the physical side of it. And I can understand that people can, you know, things can turn them off and, mm. you know, if he has food stuck in it or things like that. But... I just, I think I find it very unusual that she's put so much importance on. Yeah, that's that's a very good uh, analysis, Joanne, because she said, I found myself less attracted to him since he got uh, the braces and I don't like kissing him anymore. Yeah, yeah, and and that's 
you know, that that's very weird because she seems just. I I think there's something else going on here too because. You know, that that can't be reason enough to throw away five years or to suddenly be, you know, see a person in a different light. And, you know, this is something that he's conscious of. They're together that long, surely he's talked about it. Mm. And he's trying to make a change and it's temporary. So I don't see why it's suddenly a deal breaker. Yeah, you know? you're right, because she points out in the letter, Joanne, that she, he was always conscious about yes. his teeth, even though she didn't see any issue with them. So, in fairness to him, he's trying to get himself together, I suppose. And, he is, you know. exactly. Yeah, He's trying to, you know, he, he's conscious of it, so he's trying to help himself. Mm, yeah. And probably he thinks that she'll like him better if, he, if, he, if his teeth are better, you know? Um, and I just, uh, yeah, I do think it's unusual that this is what her sole focus is. Um, surely mm. she can take a step back, she can, you know, see what she's actually attracted to, that it's not just physical, that it's, you know, it's the rest of it, it's his personality, it's who he is as a person, it's not just about his teeth or his braces. And let me ask you the question that she sort of posed herself then. She said, um, I suppose I sound really shallow. Is, mm-hmm. she, is she shallow? She's coming across as shallow, yes. Mm. I do think she is coming across as shallow um, because... It's not. It's not a new relationship. It's it's a five year relationship. That's a big commitment. They're probably mm. living together, have plans for yeah. the future. Yeah. Um, that's suddenly something so minor as braces. And as she said, they're not even the old fashioned train tracks. So yeah. they're probably like the braces nowadays aren't that noticeable. Yeah. You know. Um. That they suddenly is a complete turn off. That she's nearly doing a, a one eighty. You know. And, and are you reading? I mean, even though she assures us at the very start of the letter that she adores him, Joanne, are you reading into this that maybe all is not well? Yeah, I do think so, yeah. I, I Like, if, you know, if she adores him, something like that isn't going to matter. I mean, people change, you know, over five, five years is a long time. Mm. I, I, You know, I'm with my husband 22 years. Mm. And in, in those 22 years, both of us have changed physically and even personally and everything. Yes. And, you know, mm. that's life. I'm sure she's not the same person that she was five years ago when she met him. And I think if the shoe was on the other foot here, if this was her trying to do something that she, you know, she was self-conscious about, and suddenly he was like, no, no, that's not, that doesn't suit me. I, I don't like you anymore. That I think there would be uproar. And of course, the braces are a temporary thing, for God's sake. You know. Yes, exactly, temporary in in the you know the big scale of things. It's a temporary thing. It's, a, it's something he wants to do and he needs to do. Surely she should just be supporting him and be able to get over her own feelings, mm. which is something that's quite selfish, even, you know? Now, I do take her point uh, where where the food stuck in them is concerned because I, I'm a little bit sort of touchy about stuff like that now myself. Me too, um, yeah. But, yeah. I mean, if she just pointed that out to him and said, look, you know, would you go and brush your teeth or something, you know? Yeah, if she just kind of said, mm. you know, I know you're doing this for yourself and that's great and everything. The only thing that bothers me is, is, is the food being stuck in your teeth? That surely you've a good enough relationship that you can talk about things like that. Yeah. Like I, I can't stand it if somebody has food on their face; it, it makes me want to throw up. I'm, I'm the very same. I never. And, but I'd say to yeah. my husband, I'd be like, "You need to wipe your face," you yeah. know. Yeah. So, you know, and, and, and I would hope, to be honest with you, Joanne, that somebody would say it to me rather than yeah. leave me there with, with cabbage on my teeth or something. Yeah, like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's yeah. it. And I would always say to someone, I'd say there's stuff in your teeth. And surely she could say that yeah. to her partner at five years. You, you'd imagine so. That's, that's yeah. uh, for sure. Joanne, real delight to talk to you. Thank you so much for your time this morning. Thank you. Thanks, Millie. Thank good morning to you, Joanne. Thank you. Uh, Martin is joining me now. Martin, good morning to you. 
Good morning, Steve. I believe it's uh, it's raining over there. It is raining like hell, Martin, and there's been thunder and lightning and all sorts of stuff here. So so great fun. You're going to tell me the sun is shining where you are now. Is that it? Just to, just to upset everyone, it, tw- it was 28 degrees Celsius at seven o'clock this morning. Oh, for where, where are you, Martin? The Canaries. Ah, for God's sake, stop! You you, you just <laughs> deliberately came on to make us all miserable. Now is that it? No, I'm a total I'm a total impoverished songwriter of the blues and the the country. And uh, me and my partner bought a big a big silly farm that was rotting seven years ago, and now we've finished it and. Uh, probably still up and go live in Ireland for some rain. Wow. Wow. <laughs> That's a good... So you're going to move back here, are you? Uh, it's, we're completely open book, but we finished the project, so we'll look at another one. But right. coming back to this uh, this teeth thing... Yeah, tell um, me about the teeth. I well, I haven't got any. I've only got two left. I'm 64. <laughs> right. um, uh, <laughs> sleepless in Canaries. And I'm here with... Um, uh, two teeth that look like the hog's teeth on the bottom jaw, <laughs> and that's all I've got. And that's and all the rest of it. All the rest of it has to be character, and love, and right. care. And the thing is, basically, this young lady, she's uh, obviously of the modern trait of aesthetics, and aesthetics don't mean that much. And what would you say, Martin, that she needs to get over herself? Is that is that? A... Well, she needs to. She needs to basically think about the the, the richness of a partner's heart. It's not the uh, the importance of an aesthetic that's going to be there for a, a few months. Mm. It's going to be the long term, and it's going to be the strength that he's there for her, and that's important. She needs to look past the aesthetic and look into the uh, the belief and the faith of the partner. And it's just an old man's and opinion. W- and what she's a very valid opinion as well. And the fact she says that you know, looking at him with the food stuck in the, it makes her sick. She's less attracted to, to him now. She doesn't like kissing him anymore. And um, yeah, yeah, it's kind of interesting. Almost, well, the thing the thing is, life life's too short to have such uh, uh, feelings uh, of loss for for the loss of somebody's teeth when you're snogging them. I think really life's way too short. Um, as, a, as a cancer malignancy survivor, I can tell you now, it's a great life. And uh, I, always, I, always remember, I always remember as a lad, I was very fortunate to have carried for Christy Conestinia, and Christy said to me, if you don't get me a sweet Afton cigarette, you lose the job. <laughs> so that was, that was his bag with a, a little bottle of Puccini. And 20, 40 uh, sweet after cigarettes in the golf bag when he plays the tournament. That was his little likeness. Um, I think the young lady needs to sort of broaden her horizons and say, look, you know, does this guy have a good heart? Is he, is he worth, the, worth the road? Is he worth traveling? Come on, are we going to take the, take the risk of winning? Mm. And uh, perhaps just relax a little bit on the aesthetic because really down at heart, if you look in the mirror when you're my age, you don't look pretty. So you may as well enjoy it while you're young. And is there something, do you think, about modern life in, in a particular Martin that has us all concerned about aesthetics more than the heart, as you say, oh, in, the, in the core the, of the, people? I totally agree. There's definitely not one professional dentist that I have known in my life that has not liked nice holidays. Um, 
Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I had to think about that for a moment. Yes, indeed. So they're making plenty well, of money, you're saying that, to me. Yeah. They like they like the trips to Bahamas, believe me. And uh, the thing is, the inventions of uh, continuous youth, forget continuous youth, because the grey lines and the, the, the scars that we have in life, they're just sh- like the, the, the rings in a tree. And uh, basically, they're there to prove that we've been through the test. So basically, nowadays, it's, oh, I must look pretty, I must look pretty. Well, at some stage, they don't look pretty. And obviously, over here in the Canaries, we do see a lot of aesthetic work going on. Gladly, I have refused aesthetic work. I'm just an old vampire, and that'll do. <laughs> it's a lovely description. Uh, uh, can I ask you about about your, your cancer, if you wouldn't mind, uh, Martin? I mean, did yes, that... I um, had a I had a, a rather nasty uh, couple of um, hernias from doing very very heavy building work, and um, I had to go to get these hernias sorted out. And they said, "Oh, whoops! There goes a tumor, and you've got a tumor in your kin- kidney." So they said, we're going to have to do the operation. you got the insurance. I went straight in within the month. They took the kidney out. They put a steel mesh across, which is called a fraha over here. It's a steel belt to hold the hernias in. And it would have been about £30,000, but my private insurance paid it. And then I recovered uh, with some friends, um, and basically it was lovely. And now I'm a fit, fit as a butcher's lot, but I don't, I don't eat sugar and I don't eat salt. Well, I'm delighted. Well, I, 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 say I, don't eat, I, I yeah. say I don't eat sugar. I do eat the occasional chocolate cake. And, and, and you're allowed but, to do um, that indeed. And what was that, I mean, stupid question, was that life-changing for you when you were confronted with, you know, a very serious illness, yeah. Martin? Yes, 100%. Yeah. 100%. And, it, it certainly humbles you. And did you view the um, world differently and view life differently, you surviving that? Yeah, I mean, I, I was brought up a, a Catholic boy with me, my mother. Um, from uh, my, my grandmother run away from the nuns. I'll, I'll get me in trouble for this. She run away from the nuns in County uh, Mayo there, mm. and uh, she run over to Birmingham. And um, I, I researched the family tree about six years ago and went back and found uh, our little village where grandmother was born uh, called Glendar. And it's little five houses stuck in the middle of nowhere. But um, principally, the change that it gave to me, I've, I've always had a strong faith, but by God, it, ma- it manufactured it. It manufactured it upwards. It, it upgraded everything. You know, you've got to realize that you're only here a very short space of time. Uh, whereas before, I was rather bravado and rather blasé, and um, as, as blues musicians are, you know. But I really must say that the, the work that I've done in the last few years by housing some homeless folk when they've needed it and trying to pick them up, um, one was a, one was a, a very uh, bad criminal, and uh, we, I sorted him out and got him a job in France, and he's happy as Larry now. So the, putting something back that's important. But on the aesthetic, if you're only looking at the outside of things, you don't, you don't really know what's going on in the book because you're looking at the cover. Well, it's it's a very good point indeed, and so many of us just look at uh, at uh, the cover. Yeah, it's interesting what you say about not being. I, I mean, I go along with the Oscar Wilde thing, you know, where where death and destruction is concerned. I think an exception is going to be made made in my case, and that's how I get by from from day to day. But I guess when you're confronted with serious illness like you were, it it, it, yep. it it's a whole different dynamic, is it not? It changes your nerve. 
it gives you metal. Um, a lot of uh, people now um, are, that are listening to this are, are suffering with an illness. And if it's cancer, it's cancer. I mean, mine was fortunate that I got it very, very young. They caught it. It was in the bag. There was no blood vessel to the actual body. They caught it so quick, they said it was a, a gift from God. So I said, I accept that. Uh, my specialist said to me, do you want radium? We need, we, give, we need to give you radium. I said, no, 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 no. You've taken the bad stuff out. I'll just wait and bide my time, and we'll see. So six months later, I had the checkup, and they said, it's all clear. And they said, if you'd have had the radium, you would have been rather addled. So it was a good decision. It was a very good decision. Oh, that's, my, that's my big German shepherd <laughs> looking looking after the farm and, in the background. And, and, and he's welcome to the show as well. And the decision not to have the radium uh, treatment, was that informed by something or, or just something inside you that said not, not to have it? I've just, I've just seen so many people that have taken chemo and radium and not survived. Um, I lost my father, my brother, my mother and my wife in six years. So I've, I've experienced quite a lot of loss. And the thing is, when you see people that have this treatment and win, that's fine. But it's not a big number. Um, it's it's a, a sort of a, trying to slow the illness down. It would be wonderful if the pharmaceutical companies actually uh, came up with a wonderful tablet that said you'll never have cancer all your life. But then again, that's a very, very big medical industry and a lot of money involved in it. So I don't uh, hold my breath for that one. So I think if you're confronted with something so immense, you just have your faith and the strength of heart to, to, to take it on board. And, and then you go with what you've given. And of course, you had your music as well, Martin. And I know for me, that's a great bam when things are, are poorly, you know? Oh, I've, I've, I've got lots of songs published, but I'm not, I'm not, not famous like that uh, O'Donnell chap. Right, he, he can sell those vinyls, he can. Um, the thing is, I've, I've just a, a roadman blues touring over Europe now and again in Switzerland and Holland, um, and just basically loving it. Now, I've never made much money at it, but um, I've, I've got my songs to relearn because I've been doing cement work for the last six years. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so I'm now going back and revisiting. I think I've got a gig this month for some, some Italians down the way. So uh, that, that'll be a good learning curve. Very good. And but did as I say, the, the, sorry. No, no, not at all, Martin. I'm sorry for cutting across you, but did Emma tell me that you'd like to write a, a Eurovision song at some point for Ireland? Is that? Oh, I think I think I could do a very good effort at that. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, I, I'd I'd have my big Alsatian on stage and everything. <laughs> we could we 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 could have we could even have wellies. <laughs> and goats and everything. We could do the whole shenanigans. Yes. You could plaster a wall on the stage as well because there's all sorts of stuff going on oh. on those. Uh... Well, you could have a farmhouse scene. We could do a rewrite of Old McDonald's got a farm with a European bent. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we'll have to we'll have to see about the application form. I'll have to get in touch with RTE, I suppose. It'd be, it'd be good fun. Well, I, I'll be but, following. But, I'll be following your career, and you might even look at the aesthetics then at that point for Europe. Would you look at a couple of I, more I, teeth I, or? I doubt, I, I doubt it very strongly. I've got some gnashes that I put in a glass at the side of the bed every night, and that's sufficient for me. Uh, I'm not going to be spending £30,000 on some false teeth that are going to probably cause uh, problems. But uh, you just get on with what you've got. And that's a really good way of life. I love it. Well, I wasn't expecting this wonderful conversation today, but thank you so much for your time, Martin, and we wish you well. 
But it's nice to have a chat and we'll talk soon. All right, look forward God to bless. it. Thanks, Martin. Thank you and uh, bye-bye to you today. That's a Martin from Lanzarote. Uh, speaking to us uh, this morning where it's 28 degrees. Are we jealous or what? Uh, 24 minutes past 11 right now. Don't forget we will speak about gardening uh, just a little bit later on in uh, the uh, programme. Now of course we're with you every single weekday from 9 and this morning during the 9 o'clock hour we spoke to my good friend Dr Connor Reedy uh, getting some reaction on yesterday's budget announcement and although the budget promised more staff in the health service uh, it followed a call for patients to stay away from universities University Hospital Limerick, which was also made yesterday. Here's a little of what Connor had uh, to say to us this morning, just after nine o'clock. Pascal spent a bit of time yesterday talking about what they have done, um, and then his department later dele- later put out a tweet that they had to delete, which actually yes, gave yeah. the impression that th- that those two thousand five hundred additional beds and twenty two thousand extra staff were forthcoming. That's 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 what the, the the department put out, and they had to delete that because they gave the wrong impression. These are things that have been done. Where are the new beds? Mm. Um, we know. You see, for for some of us in in health campaigners, Fran and in Nina needs a say and E, um, we wouldn't be really saying is there an is there a need for? We're not as concerned with new money in the budget as we are concerned about. What's happening, the existing money? Mm. Where is it going? Where is it going indeed? And uh, what is it now? 22.5 billion euro of a budget for for health and uh, some transparency would be good, wouldn't it? Uh, Don't forget we have gardening uh, before the end of the programme. If you have a gardening query, please 083 311 3311. The winner of our 100 euro voucher for Mr. Mister's uh, clearance sale at Kilcorn Lodge Hotel. The winner is Geraldine Harrison. Well done to you, Geraldine, and I hope you enjoy spending that 100 euro voucher. And of course, that clearance sale starts in Kilcorn Lodge Hotel tomorrow, and all sorts of great bargains there, I'm assured. Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecan, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecan, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie Now, a listener says, I notice Fran didn't say anything about what it's costing to uh, look after the Ukrainian, uh, the Ukrainian uh, asylum seekers. Um... Just because none of our contributors brought it up, but uh, let me bring it to you if you're interested, because it's it's quite a sum, all right. Spending um, on assisting the people fleeing the war in Ukraine is to rise to an estimated 2.5 billion euro next year. That's up about 2 billion uh, this year. That's according to the expenditure uh, report published alongside the budget, I'm told. And the amount spent in 2022 was 1 billion. But the estimate this time round is two point five billion euro. Eighteen hundred nine three eight double oh seven. Now speaking of the budget, Kate was in touch. Good morning to you, Kate. Good morning, friend. Uh, good to talk to you today, Kate. Um, the carers aspect of the budget is what's concerning you, Kate. Are you a carer yourself, Kate? Yes, indeed, and I'm an advocate for all carers. Right. But I have to say, um, we're lucky to have Tip today and to have yourself there who is a realist and can understand, you know, what the implications are for people, you know, caring for, for loved ones. And I'd like to say, you know, is there anyone out there that can see in the, any sec- sector of the community that is getting €6 Euros in, the, in the budget? 
there that, isn't. That's the half carers allowance, I, I think. That's uh, right, yes. Yeah. Half carers allowance. And where has all the, where has it been lost? Where has carers allowance been lost in the system? I mean, to to become a family carer, you would have to show that that um, um, the loved one has a, a problem. So the severity of the problem uh, of the of the of the uh, illness should be foremost to evaluate what level of payment should be given, whether it should be full or half carers. But unfortunately, that is not the case. If somebody became ill when uh, they were young, then the loved one, be it the husband or the wife, uh, may not have enough stamps to get mm. the uh, contributory pension. Therefore, it's not through being over um, over um, um, the limit of of, of um, um, eligibility is through being under the level of eligibility but getting two welfare payments in that they're called QAs, the qualified adults on their husband's or wife's pension and therefore that is added on to the carer's allowance and gee whiz what happens is they only get the half carer's allowance and that is grossly unfair. It's nothing to do with severity with the 24-7 care that is demanded by those with cardiovascular disease, dementia um, um, Parkinson's disease and they're all very serious illnesses. And in that, it demands, uh, you know, that they try and keep uh, VHI or some health insurance, yes. which all has gone up, Fran, in 2024. We know that. 4.8% yeah. with VHI in September and again in October, 7%, which is going to face all the all those that are caring for their loved ones. Mm. You, you, that, you spoke to me in the past, though, about how you would sacrifice other things to have that insurance because it's so important to you, Kate. Well, you see, and, and and a lot of people that are in the same position because otherwise you'd be on a waiting list and your loved one would have passed away. It's as simple as that, Bran. And, uh, uh, you know, the, the it's a catch-22 situation. But this, this, the system is failing us and I'm calling for a delegation to go to the minister uh, urgently to uh, state the facts, the, the reality of the facts. And really and truly, I think there should be an appeal uh, uh, against the, the rate of payment. It is an insult mm. when, it's, uh, when it's something to do with, with, with um, uh, illness. And also the fact that there is a, a, a real draw on electricity and on, on washing, if you're somebody in nappies, yes. and um, also on, on um, kerosene. Because as Richard Malai pointed out, you know, the, there has to be heat in the house all the time. And he's a wonderful advocate as well for, for well, he's the manager there for Family Carers Ireland. And every year it's an uphill battle, Fran, because you can't get through to Family Carers Ireland themselves. I rang several times and I wanted to speak to somebody who was in authority and uh, told, oh, at a meeting or gone out and ring again. I kept ringing until I just didn't get any reply then in the end. And the next thing was the actual um, submission was done. But they're not contacting those carers that can put in, have an input into what is necessary for their loved ones. This is the problem. Uh, Richie and, uh, also made the point, Kate, and I'm sure you'll agree, um, it's not helpful at all that carers are lumped in with other social welfare recipients because, of course, it, it confuses things and it muddies the water, does it not? Yes. Well, you see, what they're lumped in with is the, is the, is the pension. Yes. They're, they're put yes. in with the pension. And so if what he's talking about is the, the QA, um, if one of, the, pair, if one of the, the loved ones, the husband or wife, 
are on the contributory pension and the others didn't have enough time if they if they got ill mm. at a young age they wouldn't have enough stamps so they're, therefore they'd be yes. called a QA a qualified adult so that would preclude them from getting the full carers allowance but you see it's lost in the system mm. the reason for the carers allowance you know I mean surely it's the severity of the illness that should determine what allowance they should get that is the, that is the fairest way of doing it Fran and not by by adding it on to saying, oh, you're getting two social welfare payments, you can only get six euro. I mean, it's quite insulting. There is nobody else in the sector, of the, in any sector of the community. As I said, I'm 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 um, retracing my tracks there now. But there's nobody. Can you tell me yeah. anybody that's getting six euro a now, year? If, if Michael, a week? if Michael McGrath was talking to you, he probably would then point to that four hundred euro. No, that's that's just a one-off well, payment. But what what about that, Kate? The four hundred euro Fran is rather like you said, it's a once off yeah. payment yeah. and it's gone before Christmas and the whole year and actually this is this six euro the half care's allowance is one forty one forty three. And that's to provide all the care that is necessary, the the the, the hygiene and the electric blankets on all day and the, the kerosene and the washing machine, there's a lot of washing, you know, with all of these things. And, you know, the full-time 24-7 care. Now, on half care's allowance, it can be determined if somebody can go out and work and make up the shortfall, fair juice them. Their loved one, are, they're not in need of full-time care. Mm. But when you're, when you're caught in a Catch-22 situation where uh, there's full-time care needed, there's no shortfall that can be made up. You see where I'm coming from? I do, of course. Yeah. I, I, I do indeed. So, so well, it determines in Sligo. Then they can tell who is on who is who 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 is in the the area of necessity of um, mm. full time care because they can see it. Uh, you know, right, by but the severity people. the severity of disability isn't taken into account. Is really no, not at all. No, not at all. It's down to as Richard Malai said. It's down to you know the calculation of if one is a qualified adult on the other pension. And that even gives them a lower income altogether. I think the the, the qualified adult is about €237 Euro as against 265 something for for the for the for the for the contributory pension. Mm. And that will go up by twelve euro. But you see the half cares the full cares will go up by twelve euro, but the half cares will go up by by six euro, even though you're doing a twenty four seven care. So I'm calling for a delegation to go up to meet the minister and state the reality of the of the facts. And I'm also saying that there should mm. be an appeal there for you know the rate of payment to be changed. It's not fair. But you're, but you're making a good states. point because when I look down through all of the information I have here in front of me, the people who have probably done best out of the budget would be the loudest, the 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 people who are able to lobby, the people with lobbying groups and all of that. Is is you that where is that yes, where you indeed. fall down, Kate? Is that is that where it is? That's where we fail. Even I was going to a meeting with a TD, and there was another meeting with another TD. But unfortunately, Richie would tell you I could not go because I had my loved one in the car, yeah. and it was not. I did not have the opportunity because I had to take him home. Simple as that. So that's what happens. You see, that if you lobby, what now the situation is, is that I am so livid about it, I'd be quite prepared to go up and, you know, face the minister and say, listen here, 
it has to change. Not that I haven't rang several times to the Minister's office, to the constituency office, and also to her Dublin uh, private secretary as well, stating my 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 um, my um, uh, my worries about the, the the budget and what it was going to bring. Because we're worse off than last year, Fran. I mean, Electric Ireland um, are owned uh, 95% by the state, yeah. and um, uh, they put their prices up by 26%. They brought it down by 10%, but that was from the 26%. So, I mean, and they're giving 150 euros mm. now instead of the 200 and, euros. And while they're not adding the excise tax on petrol and diesel next month, uh, the carbon tax went up overnight. That's so. right, yeah, yeah. yeah. I couldn't find anything very much in terms of respite. Have you have you seen or heard anything about extra respite or any look at that, for instance, Kate? No, no, it was the actual weekly. You see, Fran, I look at the fact that, you know, it's going to be January and all it's going to give to to half carers, half half rate carers is six euro every week. You're going to look at the new year and what it's going to bring. And you're into January, cold weather right up to March, maybe April. And you have kerosene gone up to the clouds. You have all these things to worry about. You have the electricity as well. And you're getting 150 in January, I think that's the only, or April. I don't know, it's January. I can't remember now which which yeah. time, but it's only 150 euro in, yeah. in, in, in the whole 12 months, you know. So it doesn't help out at all. It's a wor- much worse budget than last year. And we're, we're far worse off this year because all the hikes in, in the, the health insurance, for instance, my hours have gone up by 270 euro. So where in heaven's name would you get anything for the six euro per week? It's shocking. It's not on. And it's certainly urgent. And it's an injustice because of all the millions that is being saved by the state uh, to... Mm. to uh, family carers looking after their loved ones. Sure. It's insulting. And 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 of course, we're hearing about huge wastage as well. But at last, we're talking about some transparency where the health budget is concerned. At least we're talking about that to see where some of these these vast sums of money are going, Kate, you know. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, it doesn't help out when you know that, you know, for the next 12 months, and we're talking about January because there's nothing happening between now and January, And yeah. the petrol has gone up to about 189.9 or something, nearly two euros a litre, and that. And uh, cars have to be taxed and insured. And uh, you know the, the the as I said, VHI or Leah, whoever, whatever people are 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 joined, they have to have them if they have uh, somebody with dementia and cardiovascular disease, and they have to see to them and go to the private consultants and see, you know, what can be done and what can be sorted out for them, and then they have to pay the actual. Um, consultancy fee as well. So, I mean, I'm I'm saying that there should be an appeal against this, and I'm asking for people's support as well, um, with regard to um, you know uh, appealing to the minister to have the rate of payment increased because there isn't anyone. You, you you can tell me if I'm wrong, and anybody else that's there listening can tell me if I'm wrong. Is there anybody else getting six euro a week of an increase in payment? There is not. There is not. Six, and it's unfair and just. Yeah. All right, Kate, almost yeah. good to talk to you. And you look after yourself, and my best I have family. to say, Richie Malai is second to none. He has done his best. It's an uphill battle year on year. And he's there as a counsellor for all the carers. They will all, they've, no, nobody has anything but good to say about him. Oh. And myself as well. And he's there. But there's, his hands are tied. I mean, 
they produce the, the actual submission and that's it. And no matter what you you ring up about or say about uh, which way it should change and all of that, you don't have a you don't have an input. You don't. Mm. You're not let have an input. Kate, it's I'm, done. I, I must leave it there. But really good to talk to you, Kate. And I wish and you thank well. Thank you Kate. for listening, oh, you're, you're welcome. Thank you very Kate. much. You're welcome. And I love your program. Oh, you're very kind. Thanks, Kate. Thank you, and bye bye to you. Now, Kate speaking to us today. Um, one of our listeners said, um, and this is referring back to my chat with Martin, who had his operation out in the Canaries. Uh, imagine that man could have an operation within a month because of his health insurance. I finally got a liver biopsy after eight weeks, and thanks to St. Anthony, they found a bed for me. I have cancer in three places. It was the bed that uh, held everything up, says one of our listeners. We're back with gardening in just a moment. Tip today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie. Welcome back. It's time to talk gardening and as always, delighted to be joined by Alton Nesbeth. Good morning to you, Alton. Good morning, Fran. Good to talk to you today. It's a rather miserable day out there for sure, Elton. It, it is, um, but you know what? I love this time of year because, um, uh, especially in the fruit garden, uh, we've had such a bumper crop of fruit this year from all all, all fruits, really from apples, pears and mm. plums. And really, um, they were laden to, with, with fruit. But at this time of year, it's a good time now to start uh, pruning back any of the, the, the fruit trees or even the fruit bushes as well. Because um, once you harvested your, your apples or pears, it's a, it's a good time to start um, tidying them up, really, um, coming into the autumn time. So really, um, things like um, with, with the apple trees, is trying, trying to promote more uh, fruit spurs on the fruit trees as much as possible. So by doing pruning now, um, you'll create that to happen and and also giving them a, a high potash feed at this time, time of the year. So really, when, when I when I look at a tree, I always want to have a nice kind of an umbrella shape um, on it as, as much as possible and not, not too tall either. You want to be able to, um, without climbing up onto the tree, to, to harvest it. So it's just a matter of standing and, and picking the fruit. So what you're going to try and do is try and form an umbrella shape as much as possible on all the fruit trees and um, so it's easier to harvest your fruit and as well as by doing that even by um, if, even if you bend back any of the long vegetative growths mm. on the top of the tree bend them back that will force it to produce fruit, more fruit spurs on it by almost tying the, the branches back to the main stem almost uh, the bending them back to, 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 to form these uh, fruit spurs on it or also even any of the really tall um, trees that ha- have a lot of vegetative growth on them what I tend to do is prune them back and prune them back pretty hard, um, to nearly to four buds from the main stem. This will force it to produce lovely fruit spurs at, at the top of the tree as well. Um, and uh, it, it makes it much more compact in habit and, and, and better better cropping then by, by doing that. Any of, the, any of the branches that are either broken or damaged, uh, remove them as well. Uh, cut out any, any dead or, or, or old timber that's on it. Um, and also anything that has any canker on it. Now, canker is a kind of a disease that attacks a lot of fruit trees. Um, it's almost like a cancer that, yes. it, that eats, eats, eats in, in the tree. So really what you want to do is to cut out as much of that as possible. And use a thing called an arbrix uh, heal and seal paint uh, uh, on any of the wounds uh, on the branches. And that will seal um, uh, the wound quite well. And it stops the canker from spreading further into the tree. So that um, you'll have a good healthy tree um, during the um, 
springtime and therefore plenty of flowers then to produce mm. um, and therefore more fruit. Now, uh, when the tree is completely dormant as well, when, when they're going to a kind of a, a dormant state, when the leaves are gone off it as well, it's a good idea to spray them with a thing called a winter wash. And um, this gets rid of any lichen or algae or moss that tends to have, uh, uh, go on to it um, at this time of the year. Mm. So you really you want to keep it nice and clean. It's winter uh, wash, you said, Elton, was it? Yeah, yeah, it's, it's a winter tar oil wash. Yes. Now, so it's a, it's a spray that you put onto the tree that keeps it lovely and clean. So you don't get any algae or lichen moss growing on the trees. Because I always find when it gets kind of darker in the evenings and that you, you often get an awful lot of moss or algae growing uh, on, on your trees and even on the, the ornamental trees as well, you'll find that. But always spray that when they're completely dormant, when the leaves are gone off them, um, it's the best time to do it. But again, it's a good time to mulch around all your fruit trees as well. Um, either you use uh, farm yard manure or even... Uh, kind of a bark mulch just around the base of the trees to keep it lovely and clean. And also feed with the sulphate of potash just a fistful around each tree mm-hmm. just to promote more flowers in the tree as well. If you find the trees are very um, rusty or there's a kind of a rust on the foliage, a magnesium salt is a good thing to feed them as well. This just gives them more disease resistance to kind of rusts and funguses that may be attacking the trees as well. Now, I mean, I've never seen, this year has been particularly good for fruit, um, uh, the amount of pears and, and plums and even even um, apples that have been produced because it was so mild. Um, a lot of fruit trees, if, if they're in a very exposed area and if they get a late frost, it tends to burn off the flowers quite, quite easily. So a lot of fruit trees are much better planted in, in um, a sheltered area, especially the pears. The pears and the plums are probably one of the first ones to come into flower. So it's a good idea is to have those planted near either a wall or even in amongst other trees. And that protects them from any, any hard frost once the flowers come on it. Um, pears are, are, are nice, nice growing up against a, a lovely wall, a hot wall. And that, that um, um, encourages them to fruit an awful lot yes. better for you. Um, Pears, a good variety, a self-pollinated variety, a conference pear is probably the best one to go for. Um, or, or even the um, Victoria plum is a lovely self-pollinating variety as well. And they're quite heavy cropping um, uh, variety good. of fruit trees. Lots, lots of questions coming in for you, uh, if you would, Alton. Can I divide a rhubarb stool? And if so, when? Uh, you can. Um, now, the leaves are dying back on, on the rhubarb. Um, and it's very important to allow it to die back naturally as much as possible. Um, uh, remove any any um, old stems or uh, leaves that are on it um, that, that are, are completely died back. And then uh, lift and divide. And always uh, take the outer eyes um, from the rhubarb stool. Because uh, the centre of the rhubarb stool is generally dead, the, the centre part of it, so it's the outer eyes that you want. Um, so you, you lift and divide those. Now use a sharp spade. Uh, to, to divide them and always keep the eyes when you're transplanting them above the soil. So, I mean, have them kind of planted proudly uh, above the soil so that they're not, not too deeply deeply planted. This um, keeps the crown above the soil so that then it, it um, uh, produces plenty of um, uh, stems for you. Now, with rhubarb, you really tend to leave them for the first year to let them build up enough energy uh, and strength then that you can harvest next year, the, the following year afterwards, um, to harvest from them. So leave them for the first year without harvesting and then um, harvest the, the second year afterwards. 
good. Um, rhubarb is quite good, good to grow. Timberly early is, is a very good variety to grow. Um, it's quite a vigorous one. Um, if you find that the stems are a little bit thin, sometimes what happens is that there, the, there's a lack of ammonia. So even if you put down the sulphate of ammonia at the base of the stools after transplanting them, that gives them much more vigour and um, more better better foliage and, and better stems. Another listener wondering if griselenia is suitable to grow near a fence in my back garden. Could you recommend something that doesn't grow very high and can be easily maintained? So griselenia? Yeah, griselenia is a lovely hedge. Um, now, it does tend to... It, it's quite a, quite a lovely full hedge, um, but it does. it is frost-sensitive. Every couple of years, mm. um, say every, every 10 or 20 years, we do get a severe frost that does uh, kill them or, or cut them back down to ground level. So you really have to, to, to think about that. So griselenia, escalonia are the two kind of evergreen hedges that are, are lovely for, for a low hedge um, because um, the griselenia has that lovely light green colour, but the escalonia has that lovely a, a, a massive, uh, an abundance of flowers on it, uh, which are particularly nice. Um, but really, they are both uh, frost-sensitive. Other hedges that are a little bit, bit harder or more hardier um, to grow and, and that are quite a low hedge are the lovely and um, barbuses. I love the, the barbus, um, uh, barbus from Burgey, Orchipopuria. It's quite a lovely purple hedge and, and it's quite dense as well. It's not an evergreen, but it's, it, it has lovely foliage right through the whole summer. Uh, that lovely plum foliage that, that comes on it. And then at this time of the year, it's a fantastic autumn colour from it as well. So um, things like that are, that are a little bit hardier uh, are, are quite good. Euonymus, Euonymus um, uh, your pace, uh, or Euonymus um, uh, 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 Emerald of Gold or Silver Queen are actually nice as a hedge as well. Yes, uh, the frost hit us very hard with our griselenia some years ago. It really does devastate uh, the hedge, that's for sure. Um, somebody else wants to ask you if uh, you would recommend lifting echinacea plants for the winter because I lost all of my plants last year and I'm wondering what is the best for the new ones? Well, echinacea, they're, they're generally quite an easy thing to grow. Um, they're, they're a lovely daisy type um, herbaceous perennial uh, that come up. Now, really, what I would tend to do is, is mix in a silica sand where you're planting them. Uh, they, they do like good drainage. Um, because if, if it becomes too waterlogged and if it freezes on it, it, it tends to rot the stems. So if you add silica sand when, you, when, you, when you're uh, putting them into the ground, um, that, that uh, helps uh, to keep them, keep them alive very well for you. Um, always plant them um, in a good sunny position as well full sun if at all possible because the flowers get quite tall and, and, and they're, they're quite a good display on them um, they need full sun uh, to, to yes. develop really well um, and always, and really um, during the really very cold weather or what I tend to do is I, I just mulch everything I, I mulch all the herbaceous plants um, during the winter months so January, February, March is to, to uh, do either farmyard manure mulch around the plants um, so that that gives protects them from any, any severe frost as well. It's amazing the amount, even if you put a couple of inches of farmer manure or even bark mulch um, uh, at the base of the plants, that protects them, uh, the stems from any, any severe frost damage. Um, echinaceas, rebeccas, um, um, even the uh, chrysanthemums and things like that, they grow quite easily if you mulch around them. All right, just a final quick one, if you would. You were talking about fruit trees earlier on. The right time to sow a new apple tree, one of our listeners wants to know. Again, this is a great time to do that. 
and coming in, into the autumn time, um, there's, there's lovely varieties that you, that you can grow. Um, and, and really with apples, it's a good thing to do is, is to have uh, two, two other varieties, really, so you get good um, pollination mm. on them. So, I mean, there, there's a lovely one, uh, uh, the, the Cox Orange Pippin, there's a lovely deep red apple, a very sweet apple, um, a golden delicious or catcha. Uh, they're good, three good varieties to, to um, uh, cross-pollinate cross together with. Um, so really, and sometimes even if you have, you can buy apple trees that will have two varieties on them, uh, which is quite good as well. Uh, so you can have, have two okay. different varieties on, on the one stem so you get good pollination. If you do have problems with, with your fruits or trees not producing fruit, uh, is to use, use an ornamental crabapple tree. Uh, and crabapples are, are, have a much longer flowering period. So really, they're quite good as, as cross-pollinating for uh, uh, other other apple trees. And um, so something like then uh, the golden hornet apple, uh, crab apple tree is quite good, or, or malice and downy. All right, yeah. Alton, thank you so much for that and the happy gardening to you. And thank you very much indeed, uh, the great uh, Alton Nesbitt there. That's it for me. Emma produced, Tally looks after our content. Stephen is on the way with the time tunnel, and I'll talk to you tomorrow. Look after yourselves, won't you? Bye-bye. Tip today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie.